Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. That's TireRack.com, TireRack.com, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Welcome inside. It is the Dan Patrick Show here at Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. And, yes, that was the uh, the big deal yesterday. Practical joke on Doug Gottlieb by our wonderful audio director, Vito Violante, who convinced you mid-show your car was being towed. And you sat up like Coach was putting you in the game and said, Well, go stop them! <laughs> Late. That, that I will remember that till the day when someone says. I showed great quickness. I thought I, you know, like you did. Listen, you did. Yeah, your first step was pretty good. Right. Yes. You yeah. had the, the stopwatch. Like mm-hmm. there's different types of agility. I thought my sitting back to sitting up and you grabbing my keys and running out the door. <laughs> I thought that I don't know. I don't know what the baseline is for what a quick time was, but I think I was uh, I was below that time. 
If someone says to me, you know, in like 50 years, whatever, hey, you know, yeah, we're doing a career retrospective on uh, Doug Gottlieb. Can you share a story? I would say, you know what? I've worked with Doug. I've known him for 50 years. This one time we did a show together, his car almost got towed, but it didn't really get towed, but he thought it was getting towed. And he jumped out of his chair and he told the guy that told him the car was getting towed to go stop them. That's the story I would tell. We have all kinds, there's all <laughs> kinds of car stories. Like, uh, here, here, I'll just, and look, we, I want to get to, uh, Patrick Reed's going to join us. Later on the show, right? Hour and a half. Hour, Hour and, and a half. Seven thirty. Yeah, seven thirty Pacific. Uh, I want to talk about him and what he was wearing at the Garden. Of course, LeBron in a dominant performance over the lowly Knicks at the Garden in a second. Why has it got to be the lowly Knicks? Why can't it just be the Knicks? Because they're the lowly Knicks. But, but they're still the Knicks. I mean, I get they reminded. Are the lowly I Knicks. get reminded every day how bad the Knicks are. It's, it's just you could just say you know the hey the Knicks put forth a good effort. You know was that you know but well I mean they don't have, have Gustavs Porzingis. No, they're, they're they're in that in that dreaded. We're not bad enough to totally suck and get a, a great draft pick, mm-hmm. and, but we're also not good enough in a year in which half the teams are trying <laughs> to be bad in order to make the playoffs in the, in the Eastern Conference. That, that said, um, anyway, I, I, I do think of a former co- a guy we used to work with, a colleague of ours, uh, Greg Anthony, who when we worked at the other place and it was cold, he used to do an entire show with his car running. <laughs> He would park it right outside the studio. Yeah. And actually leave it running. And he'd come in, he'd go to the meeting, and then he'd go get makeup, and then he'd watch games, and then he would go and do uh, the NBA show at night and maybe do Sports Center, and then he would actually go and get in his warm car. That's how he, that's how he would roll. I was like, "How much gas?" He's like, "It's got a big tank." <laughs> Like, don't you have the? Re- and then he got remote start, and then obviously that changes remote start. Mm-hmm. Remote start to for uh, if you live in cold weather, and I believe in the Northeast they got some snow yesterday anyway, because uh, I know they got it in Chicago going back a couple days ago. Of course, uh, they were uh, snowed out yesterday with the with Chicago Cubs, but remote start was as big a game changer as I believe uh, TSA PreCheck has been to to air travelers, right? The, just the ease of it to which you could press a button and the car would be warmed up. Now, the, the one problem with the remote start is all of these proximity keys now makes it, inc- I, I don't know, I don't think you can actually have remote start. So they went, like we, we actually went backwards in technology. We left ahead to where you could press a button, it would start your car, and then we went backwards when they had the proximity keys, and I think remote start doesn't exist for many of these vehicles. Yeah, I, I remember that was when I knew I was never leaving Los Angeles. When I moved to L.A., I lived in New York my whole life. I yep. moved to L.A., and I vacationed in Detroit, so I'm tough, so you can't mess around with me because right. that's where I go to vacation. Is that the first time after living in L.A. for like you know, six months, we go back to Detroit where my wife's family is from, and we go visit. And it was like midnight, and my wife's mom said, can you do me a favor? Can you run to the store? I got to get something for dinner tomorrow. I said, yeah, of course, of course, of course. So, And I, I go to get out, and like it's midnight. I go, oh, my God, it's freezing cold. And yep. so, so I go out, and... I open the car and I start it and I go back inside the house for 10 minutes and then I go back in and I ice scrape the ice off the window yes. and then I go back inside for yes. 10 more minutes. Yes. Then I go back in and turn the, the defroster on and I go back and wait for, then I go out, get in the car and leave. And I remember going, I used to do this all the time. I am never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. All right. One last annoying, obnoxious, we live in Southern California and you don't thing here on the Dan Patrick show. No, is, stop is, them. Is stop this, them. Is this, this year's you're, you're a New Yorker, right? My dad was a New Yorker and having lived in Connecticut 12 of the last 14 years, Dan obviously lives there. Uh, is this, this is an absolute true statement. When you live in Southern California, 50 degrees 
is colder than 20 degrees in Buffalo or 20 degrees in Connecticut. I, I honestly mm-hmm. believe that. What, whatever it is, it's like 50 degrees and there's a breeze. You're like, oh, my God, what is that? It is, oh, it is freezing in here. <laughs> Whereas 20 degrees in Buffalo, you're like, yeah, it's, it's not a bad day. Right? Yeah. In Syracuse, we would go to the beach on those days. Sure. Yeah. I'd walk out of my house in the bitter cold and go, ah, it's just cold. I got to get to the car. But I'll walk out with a, with a hoodie on and, and, oh, no, it's too cold. I got to go back in and change. I got to get something warmer. I got to put something warmer. You never did that in the East. This is just cold. I got to suck it up and walk out. That's how it goes. All right. So last night, your beloved New York Knicks, the lowly New York Knicks, succumbed. You know, you don't, don't, succumbed, don't need to say that. Succumbed to, uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is kind of, it is, it, look, it's par for the course. If you followed Nixdom, th- this is what happens. Superstar, Kobe used to do it. Magic used to do it. I mean, uh, Michael used to do it. Bird used to do it. Obviously, the Knicks were more competitive at different times. But whomever the star is seems to play a little bit better in Madison Square Garden. There is something to the Mecca, to the world's most famous arena. And uh, But I, I think kind of the story of the night is... Um, which is a bigger fashion statement or maybe fashion faux pas or which fashion do you like better? LeBron James has the I'm King uh, LeBron James sneakers. The sneakers are already named after him and then he puts I'm King is on the back of them. And then Patrick Reed, who's going to join us in an hour and 20 minutes, has the Masters jacket on at Knicks game. I'm going to go with Patrick Reed because I get why LeBron did it. LeBron had been had a big back and forth with Cantor over the past couple months. You're not the king here. We have a king. His name is Porzingis. So I get LeBron playing his little petty, you know, playoff game because he's not, you know, going zero dark 23 yet. But Patrick Reed wearing the Masters jacket courtside to the Knicks game last night, where he said next to Chris Rock and I believe two chains was there as well. Taking pictures. It's a vibe. Taking pictures with J.R. Smith before the game and everything. And here's why this is a faux pas, because I get when someone wins something like the green jacket. Oh, if I won that, I would wear that everywhere. If I won a gold medal, I'd wear it everywhere. But then I started thinking to myself, would I really wear the green jacket everywhere? Would I really do it? And I go, no, I don't think I would. I, I, I think at some point I would go, yeah, I, I don't know about this idea. I think, I, I, just me. Just me. I think, you know, yeah, it sounds like, oh, yeah, I'd do it. I'd wear it. I don't know about All that. All right, so there's a couple things. First, I'd absolutely wear the green jacket. You won the damn green jacket. It's the green jacket. Like, like, my kids don't know anything about golf. They know the green jacket. And then, otherwise, he just looks like a chubby, you know, young white dude with, good, with pretty good hair sitting down. Who's the, who's the chubby kid sitting next to Chris Rock? Right? <laughs> oh, that's his agent. <laughs> now, it's, now it's, oh, Patrick, who's sitting, is that, is, that, is that Chris Rock sitting next to Patrick Reed? Right? Because, remember, it's right, right after that moment. My big concern with the green jacket sitting at a ball game would be I would get something on it. There's no question about it. I, I would if I go get a hot dog. If I go get, and I will, I will point this out. Nothing more overrated than pretzels at a ball game because people think people want pretzels at a ball game to be like Aunt Anne's pretzels. Aunt Anne's pretzels. That's like that's my secret uh, crush. That that's my I I I can't resist. Like I generally eat really really healthy, but I'm walking through them all and I smell Aunt Anne's. Uh, pretzels. I just can't stop myself. The, everybody thinks they'll be that soft and that, but they're usually not. <laughs> right? There's like you bite in, and you're like, oh my god, this is gonna my teeth break over it. But my big issue with going anywhere, I, if I, I'm one of those anywhere I go, wherever I wear, I get something on, whatever I'm wearing. That's just who I am. I'm a slob. Sorry. And if I'm wearing 
knowing I'm going to make appearances. He was just on CBS this morning. I'm sure he's going to be on the Today Show. He's going to be on our show here on the Dan Patrick Show. My big fear with wearing the Masters jacket would not be somebody going like, why are you wearing the Masters jacket? Which is kind of what you're doing. It's, would you get a stain on it? Because you can't, I mean, you sit down like the next day on CBS or NBC, and unless you have a Tide stick, like you're not going to be able to get a stain out in that shorter period of time. That would be my fear. But I also have no problem with LeBron James wearing the I'm King sneakers because um, I, I don't really get the back and forth with Ennis Cantor, right? That's punching down, right? You're clearly above Cantor, and Cantor's a great troll, great use of Yeah, you always media. want to challenge above you right, when you you're challenging. But there yeah. really is no punching up for LeBron. No, no. And look, he was... He was, he was, the, you know, he's the chosen one. Now he's the king, and we'll see if he delivers in the playoffs. But I don't have any issue with either. But if I had to pick one, it would be Patrick Reed wearing the green jacket because there is no one else in the entire world who has this year's green jacket that they can wear as a Masters champion. All right. Well, two things. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick on the DP show. Uh, two things. No, number one, uh, it's different. If you are wearing just some kind of cool swag, but the jacket, the jacket gets me. Number one, I would never get into a line to buy a hot dog. I don't think he was standing in line and said, is this line moving? Hey, come on, dude. Will you go? Come on. Oh, oh, you're Patrick Reed. Oh, you're wearing the green jacket. I don't think he was actually getting in line. I would hope. No, but they bring he's food. Not they, getting they, in line. No, they bring food yeah, to no, you. I, but bring, you still have food. And, and look, this is not, it's not like it's four months from now. Okay. And he shows up at like. You know, he shows up at a at a Detroit Tigers game and they're playing the Rays. And you're like, who's that guy with some loafers and some shorts and a T-shirt and the green jacket on? Right. It's not like he's Marlins man sitting behind on the phone while 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 Jonas Cespedes is up during a Mets game. It's the day after the Masters. Okay. All right. Let me let, let, let me throw this to you. What? Because the, 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 here, here's where here's where you're going to realize that wearing the jacket. Okay. Right. Tell me. What's the what's the biggest championship? You ever won in your life in basketball? What's the What's the biggest championship you remember? You think this was, this was the this is the best thing I ever did. Well, the, the sad the sad part was is we were, when I was twelve years old. We won. Okay. The, we won the AAU national championship in Bellevue, Washington. Okay, all right. So you won the national championship. All right. Did the next day you wear your jersey to school? Did you wear your jersey to school? Did you do you do you? Well, it was in the summer. Did, did you wear? I mean, okay. I mean, or did you wear it to camp? Did you wear it when you when you when you went I to? I probably uh, had a T-shirt. Sleep to AU national champion. No, 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 no. The jersey, no, the jersey you wore during the game. No. Did you go out wear it the next day? But it was cool, right? Nobody else won. You and only eleven other guys. I mean, on your team, won that championship. You could have worn that to worn that out the night. You kidding? You walk around camp while you're playing, you know, Red Rover or well, like uh, look, know, there, was, there, was, there, there was a basketball. There was a basketball. My favorite basketball camp as a kid, one called Snow Valley, and they had a, a game called Cutthroat. And I one year I won the Cutthroat Championship. I wore that shirt as much as humanly possible. Yeah, but a T-shirt's was, a T-shirt, though. T- you can wear it and anything I, T-shirt. It's is, the Masters, Jason. Yeah, and it's the Mason, it's, it's the Jason, jacket. Jason, Jason, I get what it. is the most prestigious golf event in the entire world? The Masters. Okay, he won it. It's a tradition unlike any other. I, I'm, I'm just I'm like for and you. There's only one green jacket. There's only one right yellow jacket. You have um, there's realtors that have yellow jackets. There's the Hall of Fame jacket. And again. It's not five months removed. It's 24 hours removed, and it's in New York when he's going to make TV appearances. Like, hell yeah. If I get elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and I get that yellow jacket with the stamp, I'm wearing that sucker out too. Absolutely. You, no, 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 no. This, what... is, this is, I'm in the uh, Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. It's a true story. Okay. So, um, I never forget this. I didn't and think it, you'd make that up. So, I was, 
uh, it was actually right after the ceremony. We went over to a bar, which is actually very close to here. And we're having drinks. And I ran into a buddy. He's like, what are you doing in town? I was like, I'm a Southern California Jewish sports hall. He's like, that's awesome. I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I got inducted with, like, a bowler I've never heard of before. But it's still really cool. My dad, by the way, pos- posthumously getting inducted this year. It's pretty cool. So, uh, and he asked he go- asked the bartender, he's like, hey, man, are you in a Hall of Fame? Are you in a Hall of Fame? Are you? He's like, look, like, you may not think all that much of it, but I'm. there's no Hall of Fame that I'm in. My buddy's Greek. He's like, I'm not in some Greek sports Hall of Fame. He's like, however many people are in it, that's it. But he's in select company of, like, what? 80 dudes that can wear that green jacket? I couldn't disagree. Did you with wear the jacket? Did you wear a jacket? Did you get Jewish Sports Hall of Fame jacket? Uh, you wore it? We I have a I have a, I have a yarmulke. Do you wait? Did you wear it? Did I you wore wear it the next it, day? I, I wore it as often as as possible. I actually, <laughs> you know, grew out my sideburns. I I ate kosher uh, until I realized how much I love bacon. So it was like 30 seconds later, but yeah. <laughs> Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick. My show heard nights here on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 11 Pacific, Doug, 12 to 3 Pacific. We'll have more on the Masters, and yes, in case you haven't heard, Patrick Reed will be on the show coming up a little bit over an hour from now. But coming up next, a big story out of the National Football League that we're still asking a question I can't believe we're still asking. That's next, DP Show, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio, Dan Patrick Show, brought to you by the 2018 Mercedes-AMG E63S sedan. Unrivaled luxury meets unbridled power, kind of like this show. Test drive one today, Mercedes-AMG driving. Performance, Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. Charles Davis from NFL Network coming up in a few minutes, going to talk NFL with us. And we got more NBA on the way. We got to get into Matt Leinart, real estate agent. But speaking of the NFL, a big story yesterday, Doug, and I completely believe that the Colts blew it by not trading Andrew Luck when they had the chance. Andrew Luck still wondering, is he coming back from his shoulder injury? How healthy is he? We haven't seen him play in a long time. And he let this drop yesterday as far as where he's at, as far as recovering from his shoulder injury. No, I've not. I've not picked up uh, the Duke <laughs> and started throwing it yet. And I uh, don't want to skip steps. I'm trusting the process that I'm in right now very, very much, trusting myself in this process. Uh, and when the time is right, I'll pick it up. All right, first of all, how about him dropping a trust the process line? I mean, that's like everybody is everybody is running that well, now. Why didn't Sam Hinkie trademark that thing? Like Sam Hinkie, like everybody's like, oh, man, Sam Hinkie is the smartest guy. He had this, the process. Like, all right, look, I think there's a lot of what Sam Hinkie did that was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point, you know, the Houston Astros essentially copied the same model and and won a World Series with it. Now, we'll get into it a little bit later. I think that's what Derek Jeter's actually doing. But uh, among the dumb things that Sam Hinkie didn't do for a guy who's super, super smart, if you come up with a phrase and it becomes a thing, you got to trademark that sucker. That could have been your Pat Riley. That could have been, been your, your Michael Buffer. That could have been your three-peat. You, that you, been a, you just say you owe Pat Riley $14 now. You said it twice. All right, fine. I could, <laughs> let's let's get ready to... <laughs> Don't say that. That's a yeah, lot of money, dude. Can't wait? Yeah. Can, I, can I say can't wait? Do I no, owe you Mark can do Scott that. No, no, he never did that. He never did that? No, no, no. All right. My boy John Rostein trying to trademark <laughs> this is March. Uh, yeah, making a big effort at that. Oh, by how many tweets in a row did he have of this is March? Well, that, that, this, this is March. This yeah, he's is like, March. That's my that's my thing. That's my thing. Anyway, um, 
I, I had forgotten that the football was named the Duke. Did you know that? So did Ryan Music. He said to me when, when we played the soundbite for me before, he goes, well, am I missing something we could play? I go, yes, it's the Duke, the ball football before it's the Duke Jr. And every time I hear Duke, I have this huge, it's this my, my skin, I get hives because that's when I realized in high school that I couldn't be the quarterback because I could throw the Duke Jr., and that was great. But then in high then in high school, you moved to the bigger ball, and I got fat panda bear like hands. Yeah, you did. And I'm like, I can't throw this football. <laughs> you did, and it was you, you can't. It was a whole thing. Was but you, you could can't be president. Throw the Duke. Yes, but you could be president. But it was always, dude. You can't throw the Duke. You can't throw the Duke. And I would hear. I saw you can't. Every time I hear the Duke, I'm like, yes, I can't. Throw, I could throw the Duke Junior, but I can't throw the Duke. And uh, I was always the quarterback, and that really hurt. Okay, me. you think they should have traded an an elite, elite quarterback. I disagree with you on the elite part. Andrew Luck came out of school, and he was the guy, right? He was the guy. On the field, seven years in the league, he has had two really good years out of seven. He's had two really good years out of seven. One year, his most recent year, two years ago, a lot of his numbers he put up, how many games did the Colts fall behind? It's 21 nothing. it's 21-3, it's 28-10, it's 35-10. He throws three touchdowns. Sometimes they win. Sometimes they don't. Jason. Andrew Luck has had two good years so far in the NFL. Now, Jason. whether you believe or not, Jason. whether you believe or not, he had three. Good can years. I they went to They went to eleven. They were eleven and five. You're, you're, you're. Well, what, 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 was did he have a great year, or was was well, as he an, part as, of a really as, good as, team? They weren't a really good team. They were bad the year before he got there. That's why they were able to to draft him, and they had a complete turnaround season and went won eleven games, eleven games, eleven games. With with a coach who was in way over his head. Yeah. Between cancer and Andrew Luck, that's the only reason Chuck Pagano still had a job. He was twenty three and eighteen. He almost had a one to one touchdown to interception ratio. As as a as a rookie, compare that to compare that to Russell Wilson, who during his rookie year, which they won a bunch of games, he had nine games in which he threw for less than two hundred yards. Like, look, Andrew Luck's an elite quarterback when he's healthy. Everybody in the league knows that. You're not gonna trade away an elite quarterback. The problem is, and I think you're you're getting close to it. Is well, you have to let me finish, and okay, you didn't I'm let me sorry. finish. I that was, uh, you didn't let me finish. So you throw however you believe about his eliteness, okay. right? And I think he's overrated. That's fine. Now you get to this point. He missed games, lacerated kidney. That's not an injury. Where suddenly, okay, he's got a bad kidney, and you have to worry about it. But now you have a guy with a shoulder injury who has still not thrown a football. It's been a year, yes. and now you have no idea what kind of quarterback he's going to be. You were picking third in the draft. If you said, you know what, Andrew Luck is available. We need to move on. Our team is not very good. We have to fill so many holes. Andrew Luck is available. Teams would say, I don't care about the medicals. Whatever you want for Andrew Luck. Well, no, no, no. Our doctor, doctor, look at him. Does he look okay? Great. We got Andrew Luck. You could have pawned off Andrew Luck, gotten another first, two more first round picks, two first and two seconds. Other teams would say, we're all set now. We have Andrew Luck. He's 27, 28 years old. When he comes back, we're going to be just fine. And you move on, you're picking third, you would get a very good quarterback, maybe not someone who would come in and throw 25 touchdowns rookie season, but you would get Darnold or Rosen or Allen or Mayfield, and you would restart your franchise. Because now you have Andrew Luck, who is a complete unknown. And with a shoulder injury, can you really think he's going to get back to being a great quarterback? You know, It's almost like Tiger Woods, well, you think he's going to be great. And he's going to come back at some point, but really, we haven't seen him on the field, and the guy hasn't thrown a football in over a year. Okay, so the the part we completely agree with, uh, uh, completely agree upon, is at some point here, it's time to freak out a little bit if you're a Colts fan, right? He didn't say, hey, you know, I don't know exactly when I'll be back. He didn't say where he's – he said he has not thrown the Duke. 
yet. Right? We're in April. We're in we're in voluntary team activity time. Like we got the NFL draft. We're at the precipice of the NFL draft, and he has not thrown an NFL football yet, and he has not played a game in a year and a half. So to that point, yes, this is like I don't want to. I'm the all is calm. Um, uh, who, who was that? That was uh, Kevin Bacon, right? All is calm at in uh, um, Animal House. Yeah, oh right? yeah, yeah, Animal remain House. Remain calm. Yeah. Remain yeah. calm. Remain, remain calm. I'm, yes. I'm still a remain calm sort of guy. Okay, and um, and maybe this gives credence to Josh McDaniels to why he bailed on this thing. He's like, wait, wait, Andrew Luck hasn't thrown a football yet. Like, what do you mean he hasn't? You you're sure his shoulder <laughs> is cool, but he hasn't thrown. And you're absolutely right. Like shoulders, shoulders are like in. In basketball or in football, you get to ankles, back, and hips. Hips are much more problematic than, say, a knee. Knees have been fixed much more readily than, like, the inner workings of a hip. I, you know, that the ball in the ball and socket is a hard thing to fix because there's a lot of stuff in there that once you once you dig in, it's hard to fix. Uh, but I, I mean, look, we're always going to disagree. If you don't think Andrew Luck's outstanding, the 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 numbers and the wins and the league will tell you they believe when healthy. He's a he's a a very very good quarterback with a chance to be great. He played with a bad staff, terrible supporting cast, terrible offensive line, and he lifted that franchise up. Now look, they have Jacoby Brissett, and I think it's if you watch them last year, it didn't matter who played quarterback for him. It was the most talent deprived roster I've seen in a long time in the National Football League. They had no shot of winning games, and so. You have a new GM who comes in, he smartly trades away the pick and gets a bunch of picks for it. I actually think it's a smart thing, but it's a risk because he hasn't picked up a football. Like, I'm starting to kind of freak out. And um, and you were Mr. Calm. I am Mr. And Calm. And you're, now, you're, now you're freaking out. A little, a little bit, right? And so I'm, I've, I've gotten to this point. In, in the AFC East, like, every year there's a team. This year it's going to be really hard to pick anybody other than the Patriots, right? Like, I don't care how many picks Buffalo has or what they do. You just they, wait till Baker Mayfield shows up for the Jets, Doug Gottlieb. You just wait. Right. Like, the Dolphins got rid of all their big-name players, and they're going to change their culture, and, like, we'll see what they do. They they got a decision to make. Do they draft a quarterback, right? Because they got one coming off an ACL. And then you got the Jets. But the point is that when you start an NFL season, you work for the NFL Network, and you're like, all right, look, until further notice, I'm always picking the Patriots. In the Big 12 in basketball, you pick the Kansas Jayhawks until further notice, right? In 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 the West, in the NBA, like I get that Houston has the better record, I get that Toronto and Boston has a better record, but until I'm still taking LeBron James until further notice, like I'm at this point to where I just, you know, I I can't buy into Andrew Luck until I see him on a football field throwing a ball. Like I'm that freaked out because. We're getting a year and a half without throwing a football. And that, even for somebody who wants to remain calm, I am completely in on the church of Andrew Luck when healthy. He hasn't thrown the NFL, uh, the Duke. And we're at April, what are we, at April 10th or 11th? I, I totally lost track of what day it is. April 10th, I think it is. I'm just glad I know it's Tuesday. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, it's, uh, that, that's problematic, at, at least. Let's see if our next guest is flipping out. Joining us on the hotline, NFL Network draft analyst Charles Davis. Friend of the show, you can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. That's at CFD22. CD, you flipping out about Andrew Luck right now? I'm not because I'm not having to pay him. 
but as a fan and someone who analyzes the game, I sure hope he's getting healthier sooner rather than later. And I will say this, something I don't think any of us are really talking about very much is does it actually affect the draft? Because we've kind of gone under the assumption that Andrew Luck is back healthy. They've traded for Jacoby Brissett last year. But if all these quarterbacks don't tumble off the board quite the way we're talking about right now, do the Colts actually have a decision to make if one of those guys they actually like is sitting there at six? That's going to be an interesting question because it tells a lot about what they think about Andrew Luck's recovery as well. It may be Rosen there. I mean, Rosen's the guy I right mean, now that's sliding down. If Rosen could be sitting there for him at six. And that's why that's the only reason I bring it up because we've kind of, you know, let's face it, throughout this mock drafting portion of the year, you know, our version of the silly season, the Colts and quarterback has never been a sentence. You know, you never smash that into a sentence together. But with this renewed discussion recently about Andrew Luck, his shoulder, as you guys have just mentioned, not throwing real footballs yet, year and a half, does it actually become something that the Colts aren't talking about externally but are talking about internally? Because you never know if you're going to get him back right or not. Uh, Jason and I got into a little bit of a heated discussion before you joined us, not about the shoulder being a problem. We, we, we all agree on that, but about Andrew Luck in terms of when healthy, how good has he been to this, to this point? I won't, I won't try and shade your discussion. What's your assessment of when healthy, how you evaluate Andrew Luck? When healthy, I thought that he was ascending early in his career and I'm not saying that he is descending but I think turnovers became an issue, you know, and part of it is when you're a young quarterback and you have that much confidence in what you do and you're trying to make big plays. And I think you can parallel it a little bit to their one loss record as they've gone along. Cause you know, when Andrew took over, they were supposed to be abysmal. I mean, I don't know how many people remember the draft discussion, but a lot of people thought Robert Griffin, the third should have been taken there instead of Andrew Luck, because they were going to be so bad. You need a mobile quarterback who can move around. And they forgot that Andrew Luck is pretty athletic himself. But as time went on and the Colts weren't having quite the same success, I think that he and, and was playing hurt. I think he forced a few balls he shouldn't have forced. So when healthy, at top of his game, give me Andrew Luck all day long. CD, outside of Andrew Luck, Odell Beckham certainly getting a lot of attention the last couple of days, decides to report to uh, off-season program for the Giants, so stemming a few bad headlines for now. Eli Manning said yesterday, I'm looking forward to playing with Odell Beckham for a long time. Is Odell Beckham's future ultimately in New York? I think that it is. I think that you know this idea of two ones can pry him away. I don't know many people are going to spend two ones on a receiver. I just don't. I don't know how many, how many times we've had that kind of precedent. Two ones is quarterback territory. So if that's really what the number is, then I, I think he's playing with the Giants until further notice. Don't forget, they're under new management as well. And I know that John Mara has made his comments and he's tired of this and he's tired of that. But you've got a new GM, a new head coach, who I think would love to have the opportunity to work with Odell Beckham before they throw their hands up. Everyone likes the clean slate. We talk about it. And you guys know, and Doug knows, as a former player, how many times have you seen a guy go from one play, one situation to the next, and you've just kind of shaken your head and said, well, you know, you know what you're getting, but each play says, well, you know, for us, it'll be different. Right. I think the Giants feel that way right now internally, and they're going to wait and see how it plays out because you don't just let 
Odell Beckham walk just because of past things, you feel like you can change it yourself. Charles Davis joining us, NFL on Fox analyst, uh, Doug Gottlieb, and of course Jason Smith in for Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick Show here, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, obviously, you're an incredible resource to have on, not just because covering the NFL this year, but covering college football for, for so long. Um, I think the Baker Mayfield thing is really interesting. You know, everyone wants to find the next Russell Wilson. On the other hand, look, he played in the same system as Case Keenum, the same system as, uh, as Johnny Manziel. And there is some off the, off the field stuff. There's also some on the field stuff in terms of some bravado. He's not yeah. big. He's not as long. He doesn't have as big a hands or is as athletic as a Russell Wilson. Like what, what is your, what's your best guess on what he is in the NFL? I think that he is size-wise compares to Russell, but doesn't compare to him overall in style. I think that you made a really good point there about him playing in different systems. Now, when Russell Wilson played at Wisconsin that last season, that's a pure pro style, under the center, take the snap quarterback, making plays from the pocket. Yes, he used his legs. We know that. But Russell was fading back and throwing the football. I mean, I did the Big Ten championship game on 4th and 26th to Duckworth where he made the play. So it, it is different that way. Here's, here's what I think with, with, with Mayfield. Yeah, if you took away the off-field stuff, quote-unquote, or even the bravado and all that, the thing that gives people pause is the size. We haven't seen guys from that system just come in and light it up right away. Sometimes it takes a while, or it takes a while for us to believe, in case Keenum would raise his hand on that one. He's like, I'm not different than I came out of college. You guys just didn't believe. But we, as people, like to make decisions that will give us the least blowback if the decision goes wrong. If you take Baker Mayfield, let's say at three with the Jets, and it goes wrong, yeah, you're catching major blowback. You take Josh Rosen, who's the prototypical guy, even though he's got the other stuff that goes along with it, you don't get the same blowback because he looks like a quarterback. And that's what you have with Mayfield. I'm just telling you guys, my estimation, Mayfield is accurate throwing the football. Competitiveness is off the charts. Does it take him to places he doesn't need to go? I'd be the first to tell him that. He can, he can argue with me if he wants to. My, my thing, my pat, pat answer has been, use the chip on your shoulder. That's served you well. Don't make it a boulder. Yeah. You don't need to haul that around. Just use the chip. And right now, he's, he's turned it into a boulder at different times. Look, if you're, if you're clapping back at us on Twitter, and when I say us, draft analysts, people right. have an estimation about your play, you're in the wrong spot. Let it go, Baker. Just go play. Um, Lamar Jackson's using his mom as an agent. He yeah. won't run the 40 time for anyone. I was told he was bad at the whiteboard at the Combine. Um, there's some accuracy issues. Now, look, I don't think anyone would question his athleticism, and he can straight throw a football, but in terms of, so you know, just sometimes there's just wild misses that there shouldn't be there. Right. Um, like what, what's a reasonable discussion? What's a reasonable estimation of Lamar Jackson, the prospect? Take, take out the idea that he happens to be black and he happens to be a freak athlete and there was some discussion about just Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. What's your assessment? Well, look, it's low-hanging fruit, but Michael Vick comes to mind, although I thought Vick – had a you know Vic's arm the way he flicked it and that ball just went I mean it just it just mesmerized you he was also a thicker guy Michael Vick in terms of how he was built but the same type of dynamic playmaking ability and remember Vic played at a time where they didn't call a ton of quarterback run plays Lamar Jackson had a bunch of that 
Mm-hmm. So it's different for him. I think that if you have an imaginative play caller, if you have a, an offense that's used to moving your quarterback around, I think that he's the type of guy you're looking for. Yeah, I've heard the same things you have, Doug, about the whiteboard and this, that, and everything. We also get the Wonderlick stuff that comes in. I haven't heard his score, but Steve McNair's Wonderlick was supposed to be under a 10. Okay, he ended up being a co-MVP in the NFL. All right, his toughness was off the charts. Right. There's ways to work through all these things, and there's things that these tests don't tell you about a guy and his playmaking. I don't know that he's best served just having mom as his agent right now, only because you got a guy through some of these shark-infested waters. But I also don't do domestic guys. I don't get involved in that. That's their choice. That's their decision to make. To me, the bigger thing was when I started to hear from teams that we're having trouble getting a hold of him to talk about workouts. That's important. You need to be around and available for those things. And I thought that that was a bigger deal than worrying about his contract. He's getting set for the NFL draft, also doing some work with X-Tech shoulder pads as Charles Davis. Tell us about it, CD. Yeah, you know, the X-Tech shoulder pads, and you guys know this latest rule with the NFL is really getting some consternation out there, and that's about taking the head out of the game. And we've been talking about that for a while now. And with this new rule about really taking the head out of the game, shoulder pads are a bigger deal because we're going to go back to how the game was played when you watch the old films, right, and you see the guys making the tackles and, People are teaching the rugby tackling. These X-Tech shoulder pads are the best in the business, guys. Military-grade foam, you know, lightweight. They don't absorb the water. They do everything that you're asking, and I can vouch for them because I put my kid in them, and he had a bad shoulder, and they were the best thing going for him. And the guys that put them together, Bob Broderick and Ted Monica, Ted's a longtime NFL equipment guy. He knows how to do all of this. And I won't bore you with a million stats. But 29 out of 32 NFL teams have guys wearing the pads. If we're talking about the draft, Josh Rosen wore the pads his last two years at UCLA. So did Josh Allen at Wyoming. So these pads are big-time deals. And if you're a high school coach, a college coach, go to xtechpads.com, enter draft. doesn't have to be case-sensitive for 10% off of each pad. And ask around. We're talking about a ton of people wearing them now. Khalil Mack, Reuben Foster, Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr. You got a bunch of guys, Von Miller. I'm telling you, when you see that X, that's the best pad you can get. Promo code is DRAFT at XTechPads.com. 10% off your pad order. X-Tech shoulder pads. Charles Davis, NFL Network, CFD22 on Twitter. Thanks a bunch, as always, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot, guys. You take care of yourselves. All right, great stuff there from Charles Davis. Moving on to another career, doing things as well for the NFL and also doing stuff for X-Tech shoulder pads. How about a Heisman Trophy winner? Moving on to a career that, well, you probably didn't see coming. And no, it's not Johnny Manziel. We'll have that story. Coming up next, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3 later on today. You doing double duty again today? Nope. Oh, you're off today. Then back to back tomorrow. We're back to our nope. regular uh, shifts. Nope. No? Took tomorrow off. Took tomorrow off? Wow, look at you. I, I figured I was I was going to do that. Like, this is the, like, here's the, um, I think I have tomorrow off. Do I have tomorrow off, Brian Music? I don't. I think I have tomorrow off, don't I? Uh, no, you have Friday off. You have today and Friday off. You need an assistant. You're oh. working. Yeah. You welcome to my assistant. life, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working tomorrow? You're working tomorrow and Thursday. Right, you should you should just tell Doug things, Oops. whether it's true or not. Yeah, Doug, Oops. you need you need to be at the Toyota in yeah. Tustin 
uh, at two o'clock tomorrow, and Doug will be there. Be like, why am I here? I oh, paid sorry. your car payment, by the way. So give me that. <laughs> you just write me a check for a few hundred dollars. Trust me, it's good. Um. Oh. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So I. I guess I'm working tomorrow. We do have a big announcement coming in the Doug Gottlieb show. You have to wait till tomorrow. We had Grant Hill yesterday. Was was uh, was amazing. I want to talk? I want to talk about this Ray Lewis cut that everybody's talking about. Top of the hour. Can we get to that? Yeah, we'll get to Ray Lewis from Colin yesterday, making all kinds of headlines. Today's show brought to you by Mercedes AMG, driving performance. But speaking of NFL, speaking of other jobs, we talk about Matt Liner, Heisman Trophy winner, former top ten pick in the NFL, one time franchise quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, is now moonlighting. He has taken a second job, and he is now a real estate agent. He got his license late last year, and he's now part of a four-person team, Schneider Properties, in Manhattan Beach, where he is trying to make his first sale. It's something he wanted to do. He wanted to tackle a new challenge or something outside of the NFL, and so he's going to be a real estate agent. Part of what Leinert said is, hey, I know the area. I would be able to sell many athletes. You have so many sports teams. People need places here. I know places where to go. I can help you adjust and move in to a new place. Now, this is great. I think it's all like there's another way to do things, real estate, and there's always a lot of money in real estate, especially if you can be a good realtor. There's all kinds of money. I don't know that I could do this. I don't know that I could do this and sell real estate to people who I could potentially still be working slash alongside in television, I, I it, or in the National Football League, I could because if I, I left here, if I left here, right? If I left, if I left Fox, I said, you know what? I'm going to go be a realtor. What are you going to do? I'm going to sell property to people in TV and radio who are you know need places to live. It's and so idea. suddenly, I'm showing you a place to live. I, I I don't know that I could do that with people that I worked alongside. I couldn't do that. I couldn't say, hey, Ryan Music, listen, I know you're you're looking at this great. Two bedroom in Tarzana, but you know what? No, I got a place in Encino for you that you are going to love. Meet me well, there, two o'clock. And I don't know that I could do that. Well, look, it's a little different uh, at first. Obviously, the price point that that radio guy would be at, as opposed to the guys that he'll be dealing with. Well, I don't know. You, you you've been all over the place. No, no. My my point is like one of the things in being a realtor is you you do at some point have to disclose. Maybe not necessarily how much you're making, but how much, what are you, what are you going to spend? And I think people are pretty protective of that. As opposed to athletes, everybody knows what they're making, right? Mm-hmm. The first thing you have to understand is in Southern California, Manhattan Beach, where I think Matt lives, and I think he's selling, and he just sold his place, he made some money. Uh, one, prices are ridiculously high right now. The market is super hot, and pretty much everyone works in, whether it's commercial or, or, retail, or uh, uh, residential real estate. Right. Like, what do you like? How are all these? I, 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 yesterday I was pitching, uh, at my son's, uh, little league baseball practice. And I'm like, how are all these adults at baseball practice? Like, what do you guys do for a living? Yeah, 3 30 in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. They're, like they're all <laughs> commercial real estate or residential <laughs> real estate. So, and look, he's still going to work at Fox. It's not something that's 24 seven, but I think it makes total sense. Right? who can speak better to all the NFL guys relocating now with two NFL teams in Southern California. Then a guy who grew up here, lived here, grew up in Orange County, uh, close close to me. Like I, I don't know. I think it makes a ton of sense. We used to work. Do you remember Bill Pito at ESPN? He's now at uh, yes, SMY. please. Okay. Well, Bill Pito for a long time when he thought his time was coming up at ESPN, he used to tell people that he was going to be an agent, <laughs> right? Because 
unless you had a guy in your ear wrapping you up, you you don't know, Shook, right? That's what he would say. <laughs> and I think Leonard is using that same idea. It's like, look, as a former athlete, who can who knows better about all the different issues with finding the right school, finding the right house, getting you in the right market to where you're not upside down, you're not house poor. I don't know. I, I think plus he, you know, He's on TV, so it's a good sale for the rest of their real estate group. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying he doesn't know. I'm not saying he couldn't be great at it. I just couldn't do it simply saying, "Here's some of my peers or people who could be my peers," and now I'm selling you a house. I that that's the part I could. Could you sell me a house? Yeah. Could you leave leave broadcasting entirely and sell me a house? Absolutely. Really? Today? Wow. Today? Today? You, you should do that as well. I want to do it. I just texted my buddy who has a real estate thing. I'm like, this liner thing is awesome. Oh, now I want to do it in Newport Beach. Now you're trying to piggyback. Yes. On it. We'll get into the big Ray Lewis story. Jason Smith and Realtor in Waiting. Doug Gottlieb, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome inside the Dan Patrick Show here at Fox Sports Radio. Brought to you by Mercedes AMG Driving Performance. And speaking of the Masters champion, Patrick Reed will join us coming up in a half hour from now right here on the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Our show's heard. My show nightly here on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 11, Doug. 12 to 3 when he knows when he's working and when he knows when, when he's when he's off. Uh, but so we have Patrick Reed probably wearing the jacket. I would assume he wore the Masters jacket last night at the Knicks game. LeBron James and the Cavaliers beat the ever-struggling New York Knicks. And uh, Patrick Reed taking pictures, taking selfies and pictures with J.R. Smith wearing the Masters jacket courtside. Le- uh, take the jacket, leave the cannoli, right? That's sure. I, that's, I, I believe, what was his decision. We'll have to... I will have to ask. I think, him. I think he probably had both. I, I I don't think he left the cannoli. I think he probably had the jacket and ate the cannoli. I'm not making weight jokes with Patrick Reed. You can make weight jokes with Patrick Reed. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to to abstain. But we do have to ask him if he was nervous at all about getting something on the jacket. Some schmutz. Mm-hmm. Some schmutz. That's that as actual a term in New York City is some schmutz on the jacket. Did he get any schmutz on it? So we'll ask him that coming up a little bit less than a half hour from now. But. A big story in the NFL, the last 24 hours, Ray Lewis appeared on The Herd with Colin Coward right here on Fox Sports Radio. And, of course, topics turned to Odell Beckham, as many NFL topics do in the last few days. Beckham reporting to Giants camp a day ago, uh, maybe a little bit of a detente, and he is ready to talk and contract or at least behave right when it comes to his future with the New York Giants, who would like to see a little bit more maturity out of him before talking about a contract extension. And when Colin asked Ray Lewis about his opinion on Odell Beckham, here's the statement that has lit the sports world on fire. Where there's no God, there's chaos. Odell has removed God from his life. This is a kid that grew up under the covenant of who God really is. And everything that he's doing, he's crying out for help. We have a lot of people reporting about him. It's always been the duty of elders to go back to help them. So that's why I raised my hand. You show me your crowd, I will show you your future. Man, Justin Timberlake ain't never played no football. <laughs> I love Justin. Right. But Justin ain't getting out there on that ground like that. Yeah. These guys he hanging out with, they're, they're in studios all night. They don't have to get up. They don't have a time clock. They don't have no discipline when it comes to athleticism. Right, right, right. It's a different discipline. It's a, to- it's a totally different discipline. So that was a statement, and, and, and Doug, because I, I know you have a you have a different thought than a lot of people do on this. I just want to say this before we start. Right. I love the fact that Ray Lewis is saying Justin Timberlake is a bad influence 
on Odell Beckham Jr. Justin, talk about the guy you're hanging out with, but Justin, one of the biggest stars, he's a bad influence on you. Justin Timberlake's a bad influence. Well, uh, well I mean, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, the, the, the unnamed woman who felt, it felt like she was, you know, had some blow in the hotel room in the video. I, you can't throw an unnamed woman under the bus. I, I actually thought, I, look, I, I actually completely understood what Ray said. I just do. It just, he, he's saying that Odell Beckham Jr. lost his way. That's what he's saying. And whether, I think what happens is when there's a portion of us who when we hear somebody, and look, look, it's impossible for those of us who are sports fans to not think about Ray Lewis and the accusation Super Bowl in Atlanta and somehow believe that's, who is he to be commenting on who you're hanging out with and what you're doing. Um, but there's a, also a portion of us that hears somebody talking about God and how he needs to find God. I'm like, you know, look, guys only find God when they're in prison or they're in big trouble. And there's a lot of us who shut down when we hear God. I, my, my translation of what Ray is saying is, hey, look, he's brought up in a religious household. And now all of a sudden he's in New York. He's a he's a megastar, a megastar in the five most popular athletes in our country. That's how big Odell Beckham Jr. is. And he's hanging out with Justin Timberlake. He's hanging out with these women. And I think the line was, you show me your crowd and I'll show you your future, right? Mm. That's what he said. Which is like, look, if you want to be a baller, hang out around ballers. Do baller stuff, okay? Be a football player. Be the best football player in the world. And once you do, you can always do all that stuff when you're done playing. I, I took no negative into what he's saying. I, people want to correlate it to what he did in Atlanta. What about how he cleaned up his life after Atlanta? He changed his crowd he was hanging with after Atlanta. And maybe... And what maybe what he should have said was, I fa- I got back to who I was. I got back to God. I got back to the person I was raised to be. I just took it to, hey, look, Odell Beckham Jr. was brought up a certain way, and maybe, uh, maybe he was sheltered, and now he's not, and he's lost his way, and, and I raised my hand to help him find his way. Well, and, and that gets into, I think, the real thing with Ray Lewis. You talk about whenever Ray says something. And now when Ray Lewis says, I just hear Keenan Thompson, a child gets on the bus, he goes to school, and he comes. I, I just, every time he talks, I see Keenan Thompson as Ray Lewis. But the thing with Ray Lewis is that he always comes back to that. No matter what he says, he could say, hey, the Jets should take Baker Mayfield at number three. And people say, what about the Super Bowl when, and, and the double murder and the guys were in your limo and all that stuff? It will always come back to that, no matter what, whether it's religion, whether it's whatever opinions he has. And he could wear a white suit. On television, people go, just like the white suit he wore that got the blood on it during that. We love giving second chances in this country to anybody. Anybody will give a second chance to. As, no matter how good or how bad you are as a person, we will give you a second chance. Saying I'm sorry, saying this is my fault goes a long way. Just think every day, if you do something with one of your friends and, and, and oh, you know what, I kind of was a jerk here. You say, I'm sorry. If you're a jerk a lot, but you keep saying you're sorry, people will say, all right, no, I get it. You said you're sorry. That's fine. Ray Lewis has never taken ownership publicly enough for many people as far as what happened at the Super Bowl. He hasn't. Had he, has he, had he done that, people would see Ray Lewis differently. Had Ray Lewis, his message always been, hey, I was on a really bad path. I had everything in the National Football League, and I almost threw it all away. 
because of this. This was awful. I made bad. People would say, okay, I get it. And then whatever he would say would have more gravitas to it. And people wouldn't just dismiss Ray Lewis out of hand. I, he, not saying See, he has to admit, hey, I did this, I didn't do this, but say, you know what? Yes, I'm not going to try to just broad brush this and say, this is not who I am anymore. I'm sorry. That will always be who you are. You will always be, hey, Hall of Famer, all-pro linebacker, maybe the best middle linebacker that I've seen who, oh, by the way, was involved in a double murder in Atlanta during the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. Hold on now. You you, you believe he was involved. It, involved? Involved in the story. Involved in the case. Who's, well, look, the guy was testifying at trial. Right. So he was involved in this. That's right. His involvement uh, I, in this I, story. I, I, don't, I don't love the word involved. I understand you don't mean involved. There's there's a probably a better... Involved. He was, he was in the story. I mean... How is he? He was in the story. This is part of it. He's involved in it. Yeah, involved means more of a participant, which we have no idea. Well, his the level guys of, were the guys were in his limo. I understand they so were. He in, was I, involved. Yeah. Again, I I I just think it becomes a loaded word. Okay. Look, I'm an I do I understand from my look. I, and and no one was hurt when my crimes were committed. Right. Like literally, no one outside of my own reputation twenty two years ago was was injured. On the other hand, when you do say, hey, my bad, I'm sorry, people want to give you a pass. But I do think it's 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 interesting. Like, like, look, Alex Rodriguez is broadcasting for Fox and for ESPN, right? A year and a half ago, the Yankees couldn't wait to get rid of him. They didn't wait to the end of the season, right? He's two-time steroid guy, two-time liar about steroids, and yet now he's kind of the face of baseball uh, on TV. And I don't ever remember him saying, I- I'm sorry. Like, he had, there hadn't even been enough time. What I what I actually admire about Ray is like I'm the saying my bad or saying I'm sorry or saying I was in a, on a wrong path like that sounds great. I actually think what Ray's done is stronger because what year was the Atlanta Super Bowl? I don't even remember. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. So we're talking nineteen years ago. And look, it doesn't make it okay that somebody was murdered nineteen years ago. I don't know his level of involvement. You don't. No one does. Only Ray and the people involved. In the story. Know the level of involvement. Right, correct. So you're using your own loaded word. What I, out. what I do know is that ever since, I would say he's been, been beyond reproach, right? That that no one could call into question the person he has been. And in, in like, I, words are hollow to me if they're not supported by actions. Whereas actions, if not supported by words, I think are not hollow. And so my point is, like, look, does he have to say that he was sorry that he was on the wrong path for us to draw a direct correlation in that he isn't that guy? He appears to be somebody who is repentant or for whatever that he's done, that he has changed his path. I don't like I don't think like, I, you know, it, it wasn't my son, brother, father, whatever that was killed on that night. I don't know what actually happened. What I do know is for 19 years, it's been he's been beyond reproach. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's worked for two media networks. And everyone who comes into, into his path is like, man, Ray Lewis is one of those guys, which you might not totally get everything that he's saying, right? He does go super biblical on you. And he's one of those guys that's looking at you, but sometimes looks off into the side. And you're like, man, look at, are you looking at, are you, are we having a conversation with me? Or are you giving a dissertation? But he has an incredible presence. And I take the gist of what he's saying to like, look, I I don't I can't correlate everything he says to Atlanta in '99. I just can't. I'm somebody who's like I I'm here's a guy who grew up in a tough part, of, tough tough neck of the woods, who grew up around the Bible, and is sitting there saying like, "Hey, Odell Beckham Jr. I know him. I know the type of person he is. 
and he's gotten away from who he truly is. And it's because of the people he's hanging around, it's because of the stardom, and he's got to get back to that. That's what he's saying, and I think it's a it's a it's a pretty good snapshot because I'm guessing, and sure, Ray Lewis could have said, I know I was that guy, and he didn't, but I'm guessing that's what he's getting at. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, been for Dan Patrick here on Fox Sports Radio. First with A-Rod, it's a little different to compare a guy who was doing steroids with a guy who was, quote, involved, and I'm just saying, in a double murder. That's right. a little bit different. But the similarities here, think about this. Have you seen Hamilton? I have not. Okay. Hamilton will change your life. If you get a chance to see Hamilton change your life. The play about Alexander Hamilton. The big song they do at the end of the play is no one has control over their own story. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story is the big song at the end. And the big message they try to send is that no matter what you do, you don't control your own story, how people view you. That is out of your control. You do what you do, and history looks back at you however they're going to do it. You can't control that. Ray Lewis, no matter what he does, can't control that. History is going to look at him as what happened at the Super Bowl with this double murder. And so whatever he does in his life, that's what people are going to always default to. So if you know that, if you know, then you know, okay, if I want to get my message out, if I want people to pay attention to really what I'm saying and not just nod your head and go, okay, yeah, but yeah, you're telling me this, but look what happened. If he had taken more ownership of that, people would listen to the message more. People would say, okay, now I get exactly what Ray Lewis, because you're able to say, okay, I get the message and I get what he's saying. But many people, vast majority, can't get past that and say, okay, I'm just going to nod my head along and you're going to say what you're going to say and I'm going to realize you're saying this despite what happened in Atlanta in 1999. That's just how it goes. He can't control That is how everybody is going to remember him. I don't know. I, like, look, I, I don't like... I don't like what, and Mike Vick obviously said he was sorry, but what Mike Vick did uh, and was involved with with animals was uh, was as gruesome as 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 almost anything outside of you know uh, murdering a, a human being, right? Um, and yet, Mike, I I listen to Mike Vick because because he has walked in those shoes before, and I I listen and I listen intently, and I think the same thing of Ray Lewis. I don't need to hear and I'm sorry because. I'm guessing that Ray Lewis, in his own mind, whether it's whether it's real or whether it's a fiction that he created, I, I think that he probably believes in his heart he was simply covering for his guys as he was brought up to do. It doesn't make what his guys did right. Um, but there's there, look, there's never been an accusation that he participated in a homicide, right? So I I do think there's there's a I take what he's saying as. I can I can listen to the messenger and appreciate the message as well. You struggle with the messenger relaying that message. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show, Jason and Doug in for Dan Patrick. Coming up in 15 minutes, Masters Champion. Patrick Reed will stop by, but straight ahead, we got some teams clinching playoff berths in the NBA. And as Doug thinks, everybody is missing the really big story. That's coming up next, Dan Patrick Show. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Can hear Doug's show every day, 12 to 3 Pacific, 3 to 6 East Coast time. My show at night, 8 to 11 Pacific, 11 to 2 on the East Coast. We got Patrick Reed coming up in 10 minutes. I feel like I've been saying that all morning long. We got Patrick Reed coming up at 7 30. We got Patrick Reed in 10 minutes. Patrick Reed, Masters Champion, doing the rounds, was at the Knicks game last night, wearing his green jacket, taking pictures, taking in the game at the Garden. You got to turn your mic on, Doug. There you go. I, I You're broadcasting. Um, there you go. 
So the 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 jackets that that everyone knows about in sports, right? Mm-hmm. There's the Hall of Fame jacket, which is like what was that a gold? Is that a? It's a gold jacket. Gold jacket. Gold jacket. Okay. Um, there's the green jacket. It's a green jacket. Yeah. Masters. Um, I actually have a blue, a navy CBS blazer. I have both the old and the new logo. I should have worn that one in. Wow. Um, you don't still wear that out? I do not. Don't wear it out like during the Final Four because we talked about whether you and I could pull off wearing, you know, the Masters jacket like he did last night, and you know, hey. Final four, you should wear that jacket everywhere. Hey, look, final four. See me, that's it. I'm wearing it. Um, so I'm um, but I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. There's there's something somebody some Hall of Fame has a red jacket. Somebody just started a red jacket thing. I gotta see who the, that is. Well it's a yellow jacket, and that's a, a, a superhero and a bumblebee. So there's that. There's uh uh well there's the well there's the red coats who we fought against in the in the Revolutionary War. I don't know about red jacket, but there's the red coats. Yeah, I thought, and they were the bad I, guys. I thought somebody just yes, I remember the red coat. Okay. And there's the Blue Jackets who play in the NHL. Don't know what that is. Columbus Blue Jackets? I know what it is. Oh, okay. I'm I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. A a little bit sarcastic. (laughs) A little bit sarcastic. (laughs) What's better, your knowledge of the Revolutionary War or the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, Revolutionary War. No question. Yeah. There's no zero question. (laughs) I'll never never forget this. This is a story that that you can relate to because the same, because the... Because the uh, the red is the basketball hall of fame, yeah. Basketball hall of fame started the red jacket. Red jacket, okay. Um, the uh, the the man who hired you here hired me originally. My 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 first shot in national radio hired me at the other place. Yeah, and I'll never forget after our, my first year, he kind of brought me in for like a little review session. He's like, "You want the good or the bad?" I go, "Well, give me the bad first. Um, and he's like, "Well, um, coming out of ba- college basketball, your baseball knowledge." You know, it just wasn't. Now, this is back when baseball, this was 0203, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, Aaron Effing Boone. Uh, obviously, baseball played bigger on national radio. And I was like, nah, that's fair. It's really hard to be doing one sport in all of March, getting ready for the NBA playoffs, and then you got all the baseball teams. Totally fair. All right, what's the good news? You'll never have to talk hockey again. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we're not going to have hockey, and every piece of research we've done says nobody cares about hockey. So I have taken that, put it in my back pocket, and uh, like I said, my knowledge of Revolutionary War, which is not great. Right, uh, but better than the I have been to Blue Lexington Jackets. and Concord, I think. I've, I've driven by it, Lexington and Concord, the site of the first shot. I'm fired. sure you did a game at Lexington at, and Concord. At, uh, uh, not that Lexington, um, <laughs> but uh, still better than my knowledge. Of the... yeah. I heard but... Patrick Elias just coming back. They, wow, look at you dropping that knowledge. Yeah, Very nice. Please come back to the Rangers, not to the Devils, right? Wow, Doug, look at this. It's like it's like an explosion for you. This well, is like, I mean, like, like Goodwill Hunting. Yes. This is this is one of those this is one of those pretend like you don't know anything and just know very, very little. I also know that it's fascinating to me, the Las Vegas Knights obviously going to the playoffs. Part of that is and I wonder if it keeps up in the playoffs, great home record, because you know, dudes come out to Vegas and mm. they just go crazy. Just go absolutely crazy. Kind of like when we saw LeBron James play in Miami, right? Remember they had two days off and then Shaq did that great voiceover, LeBron James, talking about all the different clubs they must have hit up the night before and they just didn't have anything in the tank because they left their game on South Beach. So it, 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 there, there are parallels in sports, leaving your game at the craps table or leaving your game at, uh, at South Beach before big game. Well, that was the thing with the Mavericks, right, in the finals. They were up two zip and, and uh, 
Uh, and, and supposedly they really lost their way in Miami, and it was just you know they, they, they that they, Dwayne they, Wade got called. They called foul every time Dwayne Wade drove to the basket. Yeah. That that's yeah. happened to James Harden, right? James Harden played terribly when he's with the Oklahoma City Thunder in the finals, and it was a big bone of contention with the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was like, dude, you can't be going out every night. This is not the regular season. This is the <laughs> this is the NBA Finals, and and look, some guys some guys some guys uh, can do it. Now, speaking of the Thunder, we now have seven of the eight positions in the Western Conference clinch. The eight spot comes down to the winner of Minnesota and Denver on Wednesday night, so big must-watch game in the NBA there. Oklahoma City clinches a playoff berth. Right now, they sit in the seventh spot. They could finish as high as fifth, potentially fourth. You know, So anything four through eight now is really up in the air. But for Oklahoma City getting in, 13 games over five hundred, you think people are missing the big point when it comes to this team. You know, the changes they made, here comes Paul George and Russell Westbrook, big triple-double machine, but you think people are missing the point? Yes, I think, look, the the discussion on the Thunder is, can other stars play with Russell Westbrook? And I understand how the layman or the guy who opens up, look, I grew up, like so many of you, uh, going back to USA Today, or you remember they had the National Sports, National Sports Daily? Remember the National was a, the national paper mm-hmm. that you get before websites. So we used to get the Orange County Register, the LA Times, and USA Today, or then the, the National. And my dad and I, we'd pour through box scores and we'd talk about sports. That's what we did at breakfast every morning. And so when you look at box scores, you see all those assists, you're like, well, I mean, like, look, he averaged a triple-double last year. He must be. But there's a difference when you're controlling the ball and you're always making the play, right? You're always making the play. When it's a, just a high volume of, of possessions when your usage rate is ridic- through the roof that's why it's really hard to compare the st- stats of James Harden and the stats of Russell Westbrook with and the stats of LeBron James with the stats of anybody else because every play is made through one guy and that's hard to play with if you've always been that guy Paul George or Carmelo Anthony but instead of paying attention to his usage rate or his shooting percentage or how the his plus minus like I kind of think the lead is being buried Right? We talk about three superstars with the Thunder, and they don't have three superstars. Carmelo Anthony's washed as a superstar. Can't move. He doesn't have the legs for it anymore. He, he, well, like, well, he's become a jump shooter so he can play off of Russell Westbrook. Like, no, he's not. He's become a jump shooter because he can't get by anybody. Part of it is his game is set up more for you know, 2000 to 2010 or 2012 where you can post up. Or you can, he's a great, he was a great mid-range shooter. Nobody shoots mid-range shots now. Right, all the analytics tell you take the three or take the easy two. A post up is not an easy two. A mid range shot is not an easy two. And th- those are the two, those are the two best parts of his game. So part of it is his game. Part of it is his body is not what LeBron's is, even though they came out the same year. And I think that so much of the discussion and this happens a lot of times in sports. When Tony Romo was a Dallas Cowboy, we made a huge deal about the Romo roller coaster. As up and down, he'd make the big, he'd throw the big interception. But hey, the truth was that the Cowboys had a putrid defense. And you could you can't crack the you can't make it to the Super Bowl. You can't win big games in the playoffs unless you got a top ten defense, regardless of what your quarterback does. Tony Romo would have to would have to make those big plays. And when you try to make big plays, you'll make big mistakes. Right? Honestly, that's what happened with Deshaun Watson his last year at Clemson. You know, he won a national championship because, you know, he got back to running the football instead of trying to make, but the reason he was trying to make plays at so many turnovers was his team wasn't as good. His wide receiving core had, you know, wasn't, wasn't as experienced playing with him. His defense wasn't as good as it had previously been. So he had to try and make plays. 
Like oftentimes we get caught up in the narrative of there being one story in sports and that's what it's that that's what it's about. It's about this one guy. If he plays well, they play well. And the truth is there's a lot of other factors into it. And for the Thunder, who are look, they're gonna beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Did you see who the Memphis Grizzlies started last night? No, who they went up starting last night. So the Memphis Grizzlies are twenty two and fifty nine. Okay. And and I don't know if people pay attention to how bad I think they've won one road game in two thousand eighteen. One. So they play down the road at Minnesota, and the Thunder play the Memphis Grizzlies last game of the season. They started Ivan Rabb, rookie out of Cal. They started Devin Brooks, rookie out of Oregon. Uh, they started Deontay Davis, who's a rookie out of, um, uh, I think actually he's in his second year out of Michigan State. They started Kobe Simmons, who is a rookie out of Arizona. And they started Ben McLemore, who has been in the league for a while, but kind of inconsequentially mostly with the Sacramento Kings. That was their starting lineup. That was the starting lineup. They Marshawn Brooks, who hadn't been in the league in four years, <laughs> came off the bench for them, as did Orlando Johnson and uh, Mike Henry. Like, good luck. Put, you couldn't pick these guys out of a lineup. And that's who, that's who they started. Memphis Grizzlies are tanking in amazing fashion. Oklahoma City is going to end up with 48 wins. They're going to end up about the fourth seed, which is about what they were predicted and instead of getting caught up in how good is Russell Westbrook, he's not easy to play with, but he's not terrible to play with either. Plays hard for the most part on defense. Sometimes he takes plays off. He does demand the basketball. He does shoot a lower percentage than you'd like. But the true story of the Thunder is Carmelo Anthony's kind of washed up, and that's why he wasn't able to take any of those New York teams to anything special. Phil Jackson was more right than wrong. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick here at Fox Sports Radio. That's the part that I really – have to give the Knicks credit for. I can't believe they found a taker for Carmelo Anthony. They signed the, the number one thing they should have done is let him go to the Bulls. They should have let him go, and I don't know. A Phil Jackson decided we and you're going to be it, and we're going to give you a lot of money. And as soon as that happened, I said, "How are they you're, ever?" You're talking when he first got. I'm the talking job. when he first got yeah. the job. It was let him go, let him go. You know, you, you've, you've seen the, him for a couple of years, and you know what you're getting. Let him go. I, I, I agree with you. Let me just first say you're right. Okay. But the realities of business are this. You remember the perfect example is the Yankees, not this past season, the season before. Remember how they held on to Mark Teixeira and then all of a sudden in the middle of the season, he retired. They did the same thing with Alex Rodriguez. Remember how they mm-hmm. jettisoned all of those pieces and then some of them they end up actually bringing back. Um, like, why do you do that? You do that because you got to sell tickets. And you can't sell, and then you got to get next year's season tickets. You got to get that first run sold. And when you do, and look, when you're the New York Knicks, is it good to say, sure, let's get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Let's start over. Hit, re, hit, the, hit the refresh button. Let him go to wherever he wants to go to. You're fine. We'll figure out. That sounds great. Sounds great. Um, but the reality of, look at how long it's been five years the Lakers aren't in the playoffs. Okay, and they, they, to the bitter end with Kobe Bryant, but then the thought was, all right, we'll tank, we'll get it going. You miss on a draft pick here or there, D'Angelo Russell, not what you thought, and you end up, it, it takes a while to rebuild. And so while you're right, the reality is that while Phil Jackson was given autonomous control over the Knicks, what's to say that the ownership group didn't, the owner didn't go like, hey, you know what, you can do whatever you want, we need you to bring back Carmelo Anthony. He's our best player, he's the only guy we sell tickets around, and even though he's, you give him a no-trade co- uh, clause, which was a terrible mistake, the truth is that no no-trade clause actually means no-trade clause, right? It just means 
I got to find a team that I want to go to. Even with the no trade clause, he was still traded. So um, while I agree with you, I think there's some realities to business that as we as fans or we in the media sometimes dismiss that in boardrooms they really talk about. Like, would it be great to completely start over? It would, but tell that to the marketing team. Tell that to our, our rights holder. Tell that to MSG Network that we're going to broadcast the Knicks with no players that anyone's heard of for two years and then start all over. Remember, when they drafted Christoph Przingis, it was crushed. Everybody crushed it because you hadn't seen him play, mm-hmm. right? He's just another Euro. He's a Nikolai, Nikolai Skishvili, right? Turns out he can really play. Can't stay healthy, mm-hmm. but he can really, really play. But had you drafted Przingis and said, like, look, we're going to build around a seven foot four kid that no one's seen play, but trust me on this one, you wouldn't have sold any tickets. Whereas, as flawed as Melo was, and as hard as he was to coach and to play with, and the truth is that he went out over Phil Jackson, even though the opposite should have been true, um, he probably couldn't have filled the arena without him. And at the end of the day, it, they spent a billion dollars on that building. You can't have an empty building when you spend a billion dollars on it. Well, they could have had And we're awaiting the uh, arrival of Patrick Reed to come in and talk Masters with us. Uh, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan. Here's the thing. When... Now we look at Phil Jackson and we go, boy, what kind of talent evaluator was he? Because he started off and he said, I'm going to build and, and, and I'm going to build through the draft. And then after one year, it's no, I'm going to go sign Joe Kim Noah and Derek Rose. And it's, oh boy, so we're completely changing exactly how we're building the team. He winds up getting fired. When he first got that job, he was still Phil Jackson. Yep. He was still – so that's why you could have let Melo go and say, you know what, Phil can bring other people in. There wasn't the hatred for the triangle offense that there is now. You know, people would have come in to play. Wait, Phil's in New York now? Wait, oh, Phil's got it. I will go play for Phil. And that should have been how they sell it. Carmelo's not our guy. We're going to make a strong decision, but we're going to get other stars to come here and come play and win. And you could have gone after other players who were more healthier, better, that would have been better fits for you. That was a still a big drawing point. Now, at the end, I agree – no one's going to come play. No one was going to come there. People thought the game had passed Phil by. He was that was his that was the image of him. But when he first got there, it was Phil's going to remake the Knicks. It was a great. I remember being so bleep and excited. Oh my God, Phil's in here finally. Now we have somebody that's going to run things. And for the first time since Pat Riley was in charge of the Knicks, we have things going on. Well, there's two parts to it. I, I'm sure there's also a level of arrogance that Phil came in. Right? Remember, Kobe and Shaq couldn't win until Phil got there. Michael Jordan couldn't win a title until Phil took over as head coach. So I'm, I'm certain there's a level of, of arrogance there to which he's like, you know what, if anybody can fix Carmelo, and I'm sure Carmelo thought that the magic elixir to his career would be Phil Jackson. Hey, he'd, everywhere he'd gone, he'd sprinkled his magic picture, he does, he'd put him in the triangle offense, and ultimately it worked for him. But look, everybody thinks they can be fixed, but doesn't want to go through the process of being fixed. Um, and I'd also say there's a little bit of Peter principle to it, right? Like Phil Jackson didn't become Phil Jackson because he was a talent evaluator. Jerry West picked those pieces. Yeah, Phil Jackson had some theories and some beliefs in terms of the types of players, hybrid. He was ahead of the curve with hybrid players. We could switch defensively. That's what the Chicago Bulls had. But he was promoted above the level of his aptitude. Okay, The general manager position, the president position, that's a grinder position. You got to know the entire league. You got to know all the, you got to scout the entire world. And he was a guy who didn't want to take the Laker job because he didn't want to come to work every day because his body wouldn't hold up. And so he was promoted to a job to which he had never really trained for. He was a coach who had to become Italian evaluator and a president and pick the pieces. And that's not what he did previously. What he was was a massive manipulator of egos. He was great at it. He was the best that there has ever been at 
Maybe Chuck Daly is the only comparable guy in the 21st century at taking some of the biggest egos in sports and getting them to all pull towards one goal. Uh, Pat Riley, kind of similar. Pat Riley was more of a coach, more involved in you know conditioning and in effort and in coaching every moment and in coaching defense, whereas Phil was a lot more philosophical stuff. It was a lot more relating to people as human beings and trying to get into their psychology, and he was great at it, but that's not what you do. That's not what you do when you're the president of a basketball team. Fox Sports Radio, the road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. Awaiting the arrival of Patrick Reed, Masters champion, to stop by the show. We also have a crazy story coming out of the NFL yesterday that despite the number of times you keep seeing this story, it keeps happening. All that and more coming up next. Jason Smith. At How About a Fresca on Twitter, Doug Gottlieb at Gottlieb Show. And for Dan, this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. In for Dan. My show heard nights here on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, every day, 12 to 3 right here on Fox. Uh, waiting for Patrick Reed doing a lot of media today. Scott coming by the show. Uh, producer Ryan Music, you just talked to uh, one of his reps? That's correct. Uh, he is busy. He's in New York. He was making his way out of a building in a elevator, and once he got into his car and on his way, he was going to give us a call. Is he wearing the green jacket? Do you know? Is he still wearing it? I did not ask, but I will. when I talk to him before I put him on the air, I will ask him if he's spilled anything yet, and I will pass the news on to you guys. Because Doug is very concerned about that. Doug is very concerned that wearing the jacket to the Knicks game last night. Patrick Reed will have spilled something, maybe a mustard stain of some kind, or you know, nacho cheese sauce, which is very tough to get out. And uh, you know, maybe that could be damaging to the jacket. Yeah, I, I just again speaking from like I have my favorite hoodie on. Looks good. There's no stains on it. I mean, there have been. That's, oh. that's the magic of of the the tide stick, whatever. Yeah. I think I just I'm a guy who, you know. Especially and you the, spill. and and it's the nicer. This used to happen when I was a kid. Are you? Do you have brothers, sisters? No, I'm an only child. Okay, just me. So uh, I have an older brother, older sister. My older brother Greg um, is four years older than me, and he would. I'll never forget um, his prized possession when he was in high school was an In-N-Out Burger T-shirt. I can't explain it. Okay, he was just big at the time. He had an In-N-Out Burger T-shirt, and. He wore his In-N-Out Burger t-shirt once, and then like he washed it himself, and then he hung up his t Like, you don't hang up t-shirts. You fold t-shirts. Yeah. In-N-Out Burger t-shirt, he hung up. And <laughs> Just prized possession. Want to take care of it. Right. So, of course, he leaves, goes to school. I go into his closet. I wear the In-N-Out Burger t-shirt, and, of course, I get something on it <laughs> that I try. This is, <laughs> But this is a pattern for me. Like, any time I would <clears throat> borrow something from, of my brother's when I was growing up, I would get something on it. Like, I almost felt like, and my dad, this is where the, you know, what, what uh, my wife says, uh, you know, um, apple trees make apples, right? That's her expression instead of apples don't far fall from the tree. Mm. It, my, like, we used to joke with my dad, like, hey, why don't we buy you ties or buy you shirts that already have stains on them? That way you don't feel bad when you get a stain on. But the better the outfit, the more likely I am to get something on. That's, that's the truth. If the nicer the suit I have, Without any question, there's the the. If I buy a cup of coffee, I'm going to spill something on it. If I eat something, I get to, I go have sushi. There's going to be a drop of soy sauce on it. There isn't any question in my mind. 
Give your bathroom the cleaning it deserves. Get rid of all the junk that's lying around. Freshen up with high-quality products from Dollar Shave Club. They deliver everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Give the club a try. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Patrick. Now, something happened yesterday involving an NFL player that I I, I can't believe it still happens. Yeah, you know, I, 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 there's stories like this once in a while, Doug, where I go, really, it still happens. Despite the fact everybody knows, it still happens. Packers wide receiver Trevor Davis was flying to Hawaii out of LAX yesterday, the Los Angeles International Airport. And he was arrested and charged with making criminal threats after joking about a bomb as he was trying to get onto the plane. According to reports, quote, Trevor Davis checked in at the Hawaiian Airlines ticket counter and was asked the usual questions about whether he was carrying any aerosol cans, knives, weapons, or explosives. Davis turned to his female companion and asked if she remembered to pack the explosives. He was then taken into custody and booked. No matter how many times we see this story, people think, I want to be the cool guy. And I want to make the bomb joke at an airport because, you know, I get Alden Smith's done it every time. People do it all the time. Think, I, don't I don't think know. they do it all the time. Well, I think they I think we hear about it enough to where it feels that way because you, you feel like you have to be an idiot. Uh, look, I will give him I will give Trevor Davis a little bit of a pass because he didn't say bomb on a plane. Right. He, he didn't. He didn't go full meet the parents. <laughs> And like, look, you're working at TSA and a guy jokes around. If that's what he's, if this is how it went, where he's like, you pack the explosives, like, it's kind of funny. Like, hey, man, can't joke about that. Because I've seen that happen. I've seen someone joke around about it and they go, dude, now, if you're being serious, we got it. No, no, no. So I've seen people get the benefit of the doubt. So my question is, was he given the benefit of the doubt or was it? All he turned and said was, did you pack the explosives? And he turns and laughs, and all of a sudden he's cuffed and stuffed. <laughs> to that, I would, it's not smart, but it's, it's, it should not be a criminal offense. I just can't, like, my, honestly, my, where was he flying? He's flying from Hawaii LA to Air. Hawaii. LA to Hawaii. And now that, well, now that vacation got postponed. And that's the whole, that's yeah. the part that just sucks, right? It's like, even if he was released on his own recognizance, even if it was just a fix-it ticket he's written up, and then he can go. It's a lot like getting pulled over on the way to a big meeting. Like, couldn't you just give me the ticket and let me go? Like, did you have to run my plates? Did you have to keep me here for 30 minutes? Like, I get it. I'll pay the $300 because you had to hit your quota on the speeding ticket because I was one of the hundreds of people going more than four miles an hour over the speed limit. Fine. But the idea that all you said was, did you pack the explosives? And now I missed my trip to Hawaii? I would be dev. I would be, I would be hot. I, I would be, I would be hot if I was. I'd be hot, but you know who's hotter? Whoever the woman was who was flying with him. Because oh. I'm just picturing her in a big, you know, whatever she looks like, in a big print dress, arms folded, going, you ruined our vacation. Yes. Because you had to make that joke, right? Yes. And he will never, I don't know if he's married, if it's his wife, whatever, but he well, will it never. Sa- it says female companion. Okay. It doesn't say wife, so that means, let's hope if he is oh, married, yeah, yeah. let's that's a new story. That would be a, that's that a would, different story right there. That would be, that's the all time way to get outed. Okay. Not only, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You're cheating on me and you were taking her to Hawaii. Excuse me. Yeah. Right. Um, he that will would be, never that, live that down. That would be a bad trip. <laughs> that would be a bad trip. So, and what if you didn't get to go to Hawaii? Now we can, cause he's got to go to off season 
um, conditioning starting Sunday. So he was trying to get in, like, you know, here's the last five days, going to go on a little vacation, then, then I'm going to report for off-season workouts a little bit. So now who knows? Because now if he's booked through the system, can he leave? Can he fly to Hawaii? Is he still allowed to fly? If you make a bomb throw on a plane, are you on a no-fly list for however long? Like, is there, is there like, a, a month period where they have to look in and clear you and do all these things as all these things happen? And why, Doug, why do all of these things happen at LAX? They always happen. They, you never hear of, you know, a bomb threat was made in a plane in Fargo. Or in Dallas, or here, it's always at LA. It's like people think it's Los Angeles, man. I can. It does. It's a different lifestyle. People don't care. They go to business meetings and flip flops. I can make the bomb on the plane joke in LA. Always at LAX. Always at LAX. Never at JFK. Never. No, never no, by the way, no, it never happens at the Duke. Never happens at John Wayne. Doesn't happen at Burbank. There's other airports in yeah. Southern California which are great, which you can get in and out of, no problem at all. But at LA, I would say, why does it happen at LAX? Because everything's just. There's never a time to which it's easy to get in and out of it. It just isn't, mm. you know. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of got a Laguardia feel to it, right? Where uh, it's so close yet so far away yeah, from you, everything. Yeah, you park in Laguardia and it's like ten miles from where you park to actually get to the airport. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you know they're putting four billion dollars in to fix Laguardia. Anything you need four billion dollars to fix, I don't think you need to fix. You think you need to start over. By the way, you could level it i won't say the b word you could level it yeah. and, and start over mm. um but i i would say that there's a little bit of it's la people can take a joke and there's probably a lot of hey it's la and it's lax and there are people from all over the world and the traffic is bad and there's it's there's too many languages to even catch up with and there's no good way in there's no good way out it, it look i'm sure in the 1950s when it was planned you're like this is a foolproof way, so there'll never be traffic <laughs> in and out. It's like a semicircle. You go around, U shape. It's done, and everybody comes in. Everybody comes in with the You know the 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 one place on earth that no one ever comes in and says anything nice to you in an airport or in anywhere is the airport. Not the baggage claim, but. When you lose your bag, whatever that room is called, where you have to report your baggage. Being oh, where the gate is, yeah, every yeah, and, and the gate and the bags that were left over from like thirty years are still there. Like, like that yeah. is the most miserable job <laughs> on earth because no one ever pops in and goes, "Hey, thanks for what you do, right? <laughs> thanks for what you do." All you ever come out, where's my bag? That person didn't <laughs> lose your bag. That person just has to take down your name and look in the back for your bag. That's essentially the attitude of when people walk into that room is the attitude of people a lot of times at LAX. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick. We got Patrick Reed on the way. And also, could a Major League Baseball team be moving? We tell you why that is absolutely going to be the case. Coming up next. Welcome inside final hour of the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. Today's show brought to you by Mercedes AMG Driving. Performance. We got Patrick Reed coming up on the way. Uh, now, Ryan Music, our producer, you have been in contact with his people. He's supposed to join us about a half hour ago, but uh, he was talking to a big luminary a couple minutes ago. So we're waiting for him, right? That is correct. He was having a conversation with Mayor Bloomberg. So oh, okay. we, uh, we got pushed to second on the priority list. Oh, well, well, look, Mayor Bloomberg is a very big deal in New York City. And I'm sure he, he wanted Patrick Reed's opinion on why Giancarlo Stanton stinks. Are you always Mayor Bloomberg even after you're because he's no longer the he's former Mayor Bloomberg? Right. But no, you keep the title. You keep yeah, the title. Okay, but what if you're you're mayor and then you become a senator or you become president, right? Because when you're president, you're always president. Whatever the whatever the highest title is, it goes with you. 
I, I think it should be. I, I don't. See, like you would, you would, you would have been like if, you if you you say Michael news, Bloomberg, you if, say Mayor Bloomberg. Mayor Bloomberg. When he walks in, you're like Mayor Cause, Bloomberg. Cause like, you, what are you mayor of? Well, I used mayor. to be mayor of New York City. <laughs> well, it's like we're Ed Koch was Ed Koch. No, Mayor Koch. Always, even he, after he was, he was mayor. Oh yeah, Ed Koch was the best. But it's like this. It's like when you have somebody. We have Brian Billick on, right? Brian Billick won the Super Bowl with the Ravens. He's been an NFL Network analyst now for ten years. But what do you call him, Coach? Right? You call him Coach. That's what he did. He's a coach. He's a coach. Hey, coach, how's yeah, it going, co- coach? Yeah, how's yeah, coach? How's it yeah, going, coach? That's a coach thing. Yeah. I don't think in the mayor world, like Michael Bloomberg is accomplished on his own, right? There's Bloomberg TV. There's Bloomberg Magazine. There's all this different Bloomberg stuff. So I would say if that if the greatest thing he ever did in his life was being a mayor, then you would call him Mayor Bloomberg. But since Michael Bloomberg is, I believe, a self-made billionaire, you would go by Michael Bloomberg. That's a tough title, though, to go self-made hell, oh, self-made billionaire. No, Michael if you just Bloomberg, say Michael you Bloomberg, doing? you're like, oh, Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> right? Like, if I won the Masters, and yeah. that's the greatest thing I've ever done, mm-hmm. then every time I'm introduced, I'd like to be introduced as Masters champion. Well, right? luckily, we can do that right now. Joining us on the hotline, Masters champion Patrick Reed. Welcome to the show. Congratulations. How you doing? Thanks so much. I'm, I'm doing great. All right, so did you call Mayor Bloomberg Mayor when you were talking to him a few minutes ago, or did you just call him Mike? Uh, I just called him Mike. They told me to call him Mike. Wow. You know, it was it was it was interesting. You know, I mean, uh, I I was going to say Mayor, but uh, as, you know, we asked, you know, how how would how would, does he like to be addressed? And he's like very informally, you know, first name basis. Okay, but he's also not no longer the mayor. Now, did you <laughs> did did you? I, I want I want honesty here. Did you know? Who he was, like if you just ran into him and he introduces introduces himself, hey, I'm Michael Bloomberg, nice to meet you. Did you know who he was? Yes. Okay. And did you think of him as the mayor? Did you think of him as Michael Bloomberg? What what did what when you thought Michael think, Bloomberg? Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. All right. Here's what we really want to get to. All right. Last night you were in the jacket. Um, you were in the jacket at the Knicks game, right? And people were taking Correct. pictures and selfies, and your wife's there with you. Uh, did you have anything to eat when you're at the game? I didn't. I was starving. Okay, and did you not have anything? To, <laughs> did you not have anything hey, to eat because you were worried? Here, here's the problem. So I walk in, and you know, Chris Rock is there, and he's like, "Hey, you know," and he's talking to me. He goes, "Oh, he goes, you can't have any cheese on your nachos. You can't have any mustard. You can't get that on that jacket." And I'm like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Yeah, we're definitely not eating anything around this thing right now." That was my fear for you. I'm one of these guys, and and I don't I don't know Pat, Patrick Reed joining us, Masters champion, and I don't know if you're this way. The nicer the coat, the nicer the outfit, the more likely I am to get something on it. Uh, that that was my biggest fear: is he's going to eat something, oh, and he's going to so be a, he's going to be an internet meme for the rest of his life. Exactly. And that's why I've avoided food when I've been around the jacket so far. How many guys have asked you to try it on? Actually, I'm surprised. Not a single person has. And I think that's just because they know that there's zero chance that anyone's <laughs> going to allow to uh, try on a, uh, you know, a green jacket. All right. Uh, I, I want your honest reaction. Nike sends you your gear that you're going to wear on Sunday at the Masters. You have the lead. You're going to be on every television set in North America. And you open up the box, and it's already pre-planned, and it's like azalea pink. What was your honest reaction? Pretty in pink. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I you know, I, it, I, I was fine with it. 
because uh, we, we've determined that you should wear, we think you leading should be. up to the tournament, you know. No, just when I was thinking about it, when I was leading up to it, um, you know, they were telling me that we're gonna, we have a storyline that we're going to do at Augusta where all the guys are going to be in the same color Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, they're going to be in different style shirts, but same color, you know, so we can tell a story. And, of course, they let me know that, well, Tiger's going to be the only one in red and black on Sunday. And I'm like, you know what? I was like, that's fine. I'm okay with it. And, uh, you know, so it, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. But, uh, man, it looks it, it looked good underneath this green jacket. <laughs> hey, were you prepared for the attention that you and your wife got, the kind of matching outfits that they paid attention to? Because you guys were memes after it happened. Oh yeah, you know. Um, well, I I mean, I, we were because really, um, you know, with how superstitious golfers are, we you know, we played well on Thursday, and I told her, "Well, you're wearing Lily, like you got to wear Lily in Fuchsia." And then we played well on Friday. Well, you still got to wear Lily, and you got to wear bright Fuchsia colors again. And then same thing happened Saturday. She's like, "What am I gonna wear tomorrow on Sunday?" I was like, "I don't care. It's gonna be Lily in Fuchsia. I don't care." <laughs> But it's going to be bright, and it's going to be, you know. And so, um, you know, that's just how superstitious golfers are. And, uh, you know, if it's working and it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I thought you would have gone to some Captain America look. That's what I would have thought. Yeah, you know, uh, it's the Masters. You know, the Captain America look might come out during U.S. Open. We'll just have to wait and see. Patrick Reed joining us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, uh, in for Dan and the boys. Um like, look, there, there's there been a lot said about you and your career, and one of the things that I think set people off was a couple years ago you said, hey, I think I'm a top-five golfer. You, you kind of did the Babe Ruth, right? You pointed to center field, but then Sunday you hit the home run. Any, any sense of, hey, I want to do a victory lap now because I told people how good my game could be, and I've shown that it is? You know, um, it's getting there. Um, it's definitely, you know, it, it's, it's a stepping stone and a step in the direction that I need, you know, I need to go in order to, you know, fulfill my dreams. That's become one, you know, the top player in the world and become, you know, one of those elites, you know, elites in, in the game of golf. But the way you do that is by, you know, getting yourself in, in contention during the majors and big events, you know, and able to cap them off and, you know, and win some of them and, you know, to, to get my first major win and kind of get that taste of what it's like to win a, you know, win a major golf tournament and to not only win, but also, you know, be able to contend throughout the entire week and, and feel really solid about the game. And, you know, it, it, it's definitely a step in the right direction and hopefully we just keep on uh, riding momentum and, you know, stay hungry and keep on trying to win more golf tournaments. Now, Patrick, a lot was made Saturday. Rory McIlroy trying to put a little bit of pressure on you, saying, oh, all the, all the pressure is on him for Sunday. And there was many reports after you took that as a lot of motivation. What, what was the realistic amount of motivation you took out of those words? You know, really, it was, uh, you know, with Rory saying, you know, I mean, I knew, I knew Rory was trying to do a little gamesmanship by saying that all the pressure's on me. And, you know, yeah, you know, technically, probably the pressure was supposed to be more on me since I'm leading the golf tournament and I'm trying to win my first major. But at the same time, he's trying to go for the career grand slam. So he's got a lot of pre- He had a lot of pressure on him as well. And so really for me, it was just, you know, it, you know, everyone was talking about how all the analysts, how well I was playing leading into the event, how well I was playing through the first three rounds. And all of a sudden I wake up Sunday morning 
And every single one of them was picking Rory to win, except for Nota Baguette. And I'm just like, wait, y'all were all talking about how, oh, he looks amazing, he should be winning, you know, he has a chance to win Green Jack, all that stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden they wake up the next morning like, oh, well, no, you know, we're going to pick Rory. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let's go out there, we got something to prove. Let's go, you know, I feel like I'm playing well enough. Let's go, you know, win this golf tournament and, you know, prove to them that, you know, I, I'm worthy of winning. You know, winning a green jacket. I'm worthy of winning a major, and you know, I, I feel like I belong at this stage, and you know, I can handle it. And uh, you know, I was just happy to be able to have a putt at the end to uh, to be able to do that. You know, it was so awesome to see you win and win in the style you won in. Very, as you've talked about your career, very non-apologetic. Look, I'm not here. It's not a popularity contest. We talked about yesterday, hey, you know, golf is looking for, you know, for heroes. I go, it'd be, you know, you'd be the best black hat golfer in the world. I mean, you, you'd be you'd be like the LeBron James of golf after this. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's just kind of one of these things that, um, you know, you have to be, you know, golf is so mental, you know, all these guys on the PGA tour, all the winners out here, all the guys who have won majors, they all have it, have the talent. They all can hit the ball very well. They all can make putts. It's who has it the best mentally. That That's what separates the you know, PGA tour winners from the major winners, the major winners from the multi-major winners, you know, the top players in the world from the guys who just always keep their card. And, you know, the way you do that is how you have to have self-belief in yourself and, you know, you have to feel like you're living life and you know, doing everything you want to be doing and how you feel is right to you. And, you know, that, that that's just, you know, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to go out and play golf and be who I am because that's how you're going to be more comfortable when you're out there playing golf. In In the same aspect, you mentioned the mental game. You are somebody who looks at the leaderboard, and I'm guessing you looked up and probably after Spieth, you know, gets a two on 16 – and you see how close this thing, and you see the run that he's making, what do you say to yourself mentally? How do you keep yourself kind of in the moment and focused and not worry about what Jordan's doing? Yeah, the biggest thing was he was running. I, I knew he was running out of holes. And I was telling him to slow down, you know, chill out, <laughs> you know, stop it. And, um, you know, I'm glad he didn't have nine more because then, you know, then I'd have to go home and make a ton of birdies come down the stretch. But, um, you know, the biggest thing was he was at through 16 and I was at like hole 13. So I had holes coming up and I, I knew I had more holes to play and that I had more opportunities to make birdies if needed to be come towards the end. And, uh, and that was the biggest thing is you knew someone was going to make a run early and was going to do something special. And you know, Jordan went out and played a great round and, you know, I was, I was you know, I left myself in a position where, you know, it really just came down to, you know, am I going to handle the moment? Am I going to be able to go out and, you know, just execute golf shots and play golf and uh, shoot an under par round to win the golf tournament? And, you know, I, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to cap it off. You've been through a lot in, in your career, in, in your life, and this obviously to this point is the culmination of a, of a life's work. You're walking up 18, you know you got this thing, you know, barring some incredible disaster what was going through your mind well you know i was walking up and the crowds kind of gave like a kind of like (laughs) reaction to my iron shot and i'm like you know i'm sitting here going well it was at the flag so i know it's not short because i would have saw it hitting the bunker i was like 
did that ball get up on top or what? And then I'm, as I'm, so I'm, so I'm kind of confused. I'm like, where did my ball finish? So I wasn't quite settled yet. And then when I got up to the green, I was like, oh, how did it stop there? It's in the middle of the ridge. I've never seen a ball stop there. And I knew how fast that putt was. So after I hit the first putt and I saw how it was going, then I was just like, you did it. You know, you, you, you know, handled all the tests that were thrown your way and you mentally stayed in it and you, you were able to execute the golf shots and, you know, that, that's what you have to do in order to, you know, to win big events is, you know, handle all the small little tests that get thrown at you throughout the week. Massive champion Patrick Reed with us here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, since it won, now you, you win the tournament. If I said to you, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you last 48 hours? What would you tell me? Sitting courtside at a uh, basketball game with LeBron playing against the Knicks and having uh, Chris Rock next to me, having Strahan, Two Chains, uh, Jimmy Fallon, having all, you know, all these celebrities there. I'm just sitting there going like, well, first, it's my first time ever sitting courtside. <laughs> Second, I'm getting a sweaty bro hug from Kevin Love in the middle of the game when they announced me. And also from uh, O'Quinn Beasley after the game and J.R. Smith before the game, and, you know it's just been it was just an awesome experience. And you know, after the tournament, that seemed like that the, during the basketball game was the first time I got to actually sit down with Justine and just kind of relax, have some fun, just watch a game, and, you know, and just kind of you know get my mind off of all all the media tour and off of the golf tournament and just kind of relax. So it was it was really cool. All right, last thing before we let you go. Are you wearing the jacket right now? Of course. <laughs> how, 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 now, don't, now, don't take this the wrong way, but I think that was probably the dumbest question you asked. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean I might even shower in this thing. I think I maybe have had it off for 10 minutes since I, once, since I got it. I've been trying to tell him all day. Like, what, he was like, I wouldn't I mean, wear it. Like, why, why wouldn't you wear, you wear it? The, you thing wear is, I'm losing, the thing is I'm losing a lot of weight because remember what we talked earlier. I will not eat with this thing on. The problem is I don't want to take it off. So, I mean, I haven't eaten in like 48 hours, it seems like. <laughs> I'd wear it my next tournament. You're not, when, when you're playing next, hey, I'd hey, wear a tournament. Not? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, if, if it kind of tears a little bit underneath the arm or something, I'm, you know, we might be able <laughs> hopefully we can get it replaced and fixed for the next round. Masters champion Patrick Reed. You can follow him on Twitter at P. Reed Golf. That is at P. Reed Golf. Congratulations. Thanks so much for stopping by and best of luck. And I'm sure the next time we talk to you, you'll still be wearing the jacket. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Great stuff there, Patrick Reed. Fun dude. Fun interview. And, you know, I think my favorite part of all the things he said, because yep. we'll talk about this coming up next, was when you actually said to him, You're going up 18. You know, you have it in the bag. Barring disaster, <laughs> what's going through your mind? Like, why would you have to bring up the barring disaster? Well, because, because it, it, it honestly, that that's the fascinating part. Was he's sitting there saying on thirteen? You know, he knows that Spieth keeps scoring, but he's running out of holes. He's like, look, I can still score. I can still put up some low numbers. Whereas, like, look again, part of the mentality of a golfer, if you want to be a winning golfer, is I'm going to hit birdies or pars not bogeys right the 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 pessimist says man i got five holes left i hope i don't crap my pants right i hope i don't i i mean i i hope i don't duck hook one out here where you know i i hope i don't phil mickelson it at phil mickelson at at wingfoot hit one off the deck off the into into the tent so i i honestly think the mentality of 
Yeah, but because you have to think, barring a disaster, he did have two. He did have, you know, he had the ability to to two putt, and and still win the tournament. And you know, he. I just can't imagine getting up there and trying to calm my nerves. And as he mentioned, like it wasn't like the crowd was hooting and hollering for him. Mm. There was the weird patrons, yeah, yeah, do him. Whether it was where the ball was sitting, or just his persona, or the fact that Spieth couldn't pull it off. The whole thing made for kind of an awkward 18th. I was wondering what was going through his mind. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. We'll have more on our interview with Patrick Reed coming up in a few minutes. Big story out of Major League Baseball. Keep it here. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan. My show heard nights here on Fox, 8 to 11 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3, right smack dab in the middle of the day. Thanks to Patrick Reed. Masters champion who joined us a few minutes ago in case you missed it. Of course, you're able to podcast it after the show is over. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, FoxSportsRadio.com, iHeartRadio app. It'll go up. We're going to play back some of the best of our conversation with him, and there was a lot of good stuff a few minutes ago. But maybe nothing more important, Doug, as putting your fears to rest. Wearing the green jacket last night at the Knicks game, we talked about this all morning. I said, I don't know that I could wear it. You were worried that maybe he could spill some food on it. Yep. And he said, I haven't eaten in 48 hours because I don't want to spill anything on this jacket. Choosing the jacket over food. This is a diet book he could write. How to lose weight. Put on the green jacket. Don't eat. Well, what's maybe more interesting was the guy who gave him the advice was Chris Rock, right? Like that's, he's like, now, and you have to, I, I, we should have had him do it in the Chris Rock voice. Right, man, you cannot put that food in your mouth when you're wearing that jacket. Although I got to default to Kevin Hart a little bit there. That's okay. Yeah, a little screechy. Little little scre- screechy. It is a little screechy. A little screechy. It was it was off the top. Not not, not my forte. My Chris Rock impression. I have a lot of impressions. Chris Rock is is not at the top. Of I understand list. the yeah. idea that Chris Rock said you can't have cheese uh-huh. and you can't get mustard on it. Like that again. That's my biggest fear, and it was alleviated by the fact that he admitted he didn't eat any food. I. Uh, he didn't I have told a beer. You how bad he should have had a cold is. beer. Uh, well, but you spilled. Well, yeah, beer comes out pretty easy. Beer does come out. Well, pretty not just easy. that, but you just yeah. There's something about you're sitting courtside, right? Sitting courtside, LeBron against the Knicks. Dude's giving you bro hugs, as he mentioned. Two chains sitting there, uh, along with with Chris Rock and Jimmy Fallon and others. And you like that? That's a moment for a cold beer. That's that's a moment for a cold beer. Or if you're Patrick Reed, you say, "Hey, can I get some uh, bottle service?" Courtside, I get some champagne, oh, and then you just you just you're just popping the champagne. You're just pouring it. You're drinking out of a glass. See, that's you do. You're this is this is. Right I do there. have. I have. We we missed we missed that part of of the interview. We should have asked. We should. Come on, dude. <laughs> How did you not have a cold, at least a cold beer? How did you not have at least a cold beer? Uh, also, one of the great things he told us was you asked him about the walk up 18 and how he was thinking, watching the leaderboard. And he said, I'm watching Jordan Spieth and I'm just saying, slow down, dude, chill out, which is amazing because you see golfers and they all say the same thing. Do you see the leaderboard? No, no, I don't. I, I don't I'm focused. I'm locked into what I'm doing. I'm not saying. And, you know, they all do. And, you know, everybody does. They hear the roar. Everybody goes. It used to be. Oh, I know when they roar. I know Tiger did something or this happened. This happened. And he's saying, yeah, I look at the leaderboard going dude, chill out. Chill out with all these birdies, man. Chill out. I mean, it was it was as as well as we've ever seen anybody play on Sunday. And he got a little unlucky and got a little loose with the drive on on twelve. But to, for for that tournament to play that well, and and still, and it shows, you know, like other guys would crumble, and Patrick Reed did not crumble. It's the his his mental makeup is fascinating to me, and you know, being able to process all that has been discussed off the course, 
and the idea that his parents are just down the street and they're not attending because they don't talk. But being able to solely lock in on the moment, on the course, on the ball, on the club, on the wind, and also understanding where you are in the golf tournament with others in chase, like that, that's, that's remarkable uh, compartmentalization from a guy. You have to have incredible mental fortitude to win a tournament. Like, I don't know how many of you have done it. Like, think about when you tee off on a Saturday with your buddies and money on the line. Multiply it by a million, and that's what it feels like when you're, like, just me teeing off at a pro-am, right? You're playing with pros, just the level of intimidation where you don't want to look like a complete idiot, mm-hmm. and, and they're always great to you. I just can't imagine being at the eight, uh, on the tee box at Augusta knowing I can win the tournament. Like, par wins the tournament. Par wins me the green jacket. And all the other stuff, and just being able to lock it on that moment is... I, I, I don't, I don't personally have that makeup. I do have, I think most athletes have a different makeup than, than most, you know, civilians, as I like to call them. We like to call them, right? <laughs> uh, young civilian. Why don't you just uh, buy That's like Captain me- America handle this? No, there's, it's, it's exactly what it is. Like me and my buddies <laughs> who played, played sports at a high level. We all, we call people, when they talk about basketball, we're like, ah, it's civilian talk. Like you can't really. I'm super Gottlieb. I am here to save you, young citizen. I will take you to safety. But there's, there's this other worldly level of mental fortitude that these guys have. And it's like he said, he's like, look, all these guys have serious game on tour. All of them. But the ones that win have the mental game. They don't have the yips. They don't have whatever, uh, was it uh, Robert Lucetis joined us yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. He was talking about the scar tissue. Whatever scar tissue you have, can you put that at bay for six hours, four consecutive days? You know, can you can you put it at bay when all these TV cameras and Jim Nance and Fern Lundquist on 16 is an, is is broadcasting while you line up a putt? And, and that to which I, I admittedly don't have. And so few people have. And he clearly has it. You know, and, and think about this. I'll go you one better with Patrick Reed. I'm trying to go through, you know, my mental catalog of all the times Tiger Woods has won a tournament in, in on Sunday. And usually he is ahead of the field. He catches somebody. But I do not remember Tiger having such a big lead and the roar from behind from someone who was there to catch him. Patrick Reed basically watched what we think will be the next Tiger Woods in Jordan Spieth roar behind him. Birdie, birdie, birdie. Here he comes. He's nine back. He's eight back. He's seven back. He's and you're playing well, Patrick Reed, but you can't shake him. And here he comes. He's six back. He's five back. He's four back. He's three back. He's, he ties you for the lead. And still, Patrick Reed was able to win that. Still, he was able to not just win the Masters doing this and winning and, oh, I got all these golfers right behind me. But when you had the next quote, Tiger Woods, who is roaring behind you and doing it, is incredible because I don't remember Tiger ever having to to withstand somebody with that kind of run all the way come back. I'm going to tie you for the lead, and I find. I mean, maybe he has, and I'm just not thinking. But I don't remember that. That shows you something that Patrick Reed did. No, the Tiger ever did. All right, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan, the boys, Dan Patrick show here, Fox Sports Radio. Let, let's change gears a little bit and go to Major League Baseball and talk about the struggles of one star and a burgeoning star on the West Coast. Good friend of mine, uh, Matt Holiday, seven time All Star. Four-time Silver Slugger joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. How do you do? You, do you do you want me to? Uh, I I know you don't like the R word, the retired word, okay? But you're not on a roster, but you are healthy and ready if called upon, and there's the appropriate level of compensation. How do you want me to introduce you? 
Uh, that that sounds fun. That sounds fun. <laughs> that's a long <laughs> enough introduction. That's that's, yeah, a, that's a lot of things to say. Uh, I we that's were good. we were discussing kind of the 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 ability mentally to lock in as a golfer. It's it's one of the things I've always often marveled upon with guys like yourself having played in World Series. Right? Is that like with all the other stuff going on? And, you know, whether there's runners in scoring position or you struggled in your last at bat, like what, what, what was, what's your process like in terms of locking in and compartmentalizing on the approach to a singular at bat with all that pressure on you? Yeah, I think that that's where the practice comes in, where you envision beforehand, uh, you, you see this scenario happening before it happens. So that when it does, you do get in that situation. Um, you know, as a kid, you dream of being in a World Series with a man in runner, you know, runner's scoring position, and you have an opportunity to to drive in the winning run. Or, you know, I guess in a, in a golfer's uh, situation, maybe like Patrick Reed, maybe always grew up thinking about being ahead on Sunday in the Masters and, and needing to make a putt to to get that green jacket. I think the process that you go through leading up to those moments are what prepares you for those moments. And I think, you know, for a baseball player, I think thinking. Uh, being able to go to a process that you've done a thousand times in your life to where for me to be, okay, I know this batter's box. I've been here a thousand times. I know um, this pitcher. I've seen him. I know, what his, you know, I know what his pitchers look like. And trying to keep the process super simple to where uh, try to get rid of the situation and then go straight to the objective, which for me, I'm going to hit a hard line drive up the middle. I'm going to drive the ball the other way. You know, something like that. Is just something to, to to take me to a place that I've been thousands of times, as opposed to the one or two times I've ever been in a situation where you have to get the job done or drive in the run or the place is going crazy or for him holding off Jordan Spieth or holding off Ricky Fowler. Like try to keep it to something that you've done, you've been successful at, and and go there with your mind, and then you know let the muscle memory that you've done thousands of times sort of take over. Matt Holiday, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, joining us. Uh, last year, you were a Yankee, and um, you got off to an incredible start. And you know they they raved about your leadership, but part of the reason your leadership uh, was so good with those young guys, with with Aaron Judge, was you were also you know you're crushing the baseball. The opposite has been true for John Carlos Stanton. He's hitting below the Mendoza line. He struck out twenty times in only ten games. He's the first player in Major League history, in the history of the Major Leagues, to have two five-strikeout games in one season, and he's done it twice already th- this year. I mean, it's crazy. Um, how much of it is New York? How much of it is just guys strike out a whole lot more? And how much of it is something going on with the swing? I'd say primarily, for me, I think that he's got a little something going on in the swing. I think he's he's a little – I know last year he, he, he kind of crossed himself a little bit, closed himself off. He looks a little more closed off to me this year than he did last year when he had so much success closing his stance. And he looks like he's kind of spinning around himself now that his, his lower body is is so crossed up right now. Wait, 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 Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, listen. We're, we're layman here, okay? Explain what, okay. what crossed up and closing up mean when, when I'm sitting – I'm driving in my car – Try and explain to me what, what he's doing differently with his stance and his swing. Well, I, I, okay, so last year when he went on that big tear, he used to be slightly open with his stance. He has a little bit of a toe tap, and then, and then he goes uh, towards the ball. And last year, I, I'm not sure exactly when, maybe sometime before the All-Star break, when he really started to get hot, uh, he closed his stance off. So he closed his front foot 
um, to where his back foot, you can almost see his whole back foot behind his front foot. So he's, he's very closed. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to keep your front hip, your front thigh closed on the ball so you're not flying off the ball. But uh, to me, it looks like he's even more closed this year. Like, I can see probably more of his back uh, when you're watching the game straight on. It looks to me like he's even more closed off, which when the ball is in, he's so closed off, I think he feels tight, feels tight to him. He feels rushed to get there. So then all of a sudden in your mind, you start thinking, well, I've got, I got, got to cheat a little bit to get to the inside pitch. And then the outside pitch – you know, the breaking ball, the sliders down and away, you see him swing and miss, and maybe the high fastball that he's laid on. He's all of a sudden, I think he's, he's getting to, um, I call it rotational, as opposed to more of a linear swing. And he kind of, he's rotating around his body. And he's, I, I think it's causing him to swing and miss a little bit more this year. And as opposed to uh, driving the ball to right center and then still being quick enough to, to handle the pitches in. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a mechanic thing. I'm sure the, the, that New York and the expectations and the people playing in Yankee Stadium uh, were so excited to see him come into the stadium and, and the, the expectations are so high with a new guy uh, like him who comes with this huge contract. I think the expectations are that he's going to hit a home run every time. And when that doesn't happen, you know, the fans start to grumble and, and uh, he strikes out in, in a big spot or strikes out, like you said, five times. All of a sudden, you know, they've never seen him go off. They've never, they've never seen him. Um, you know, live and in person, hit the, the three-homer game or go on a stretch where he absolutely carries the team. They expect that every game. And I think when, when he sh- shows up at Yankee Stadium and it has you know rough week, uh, that's all they know. And, and sure, they know he's had you know, his MVP last year and had a great career, but what they've seen has not been great. And you know, with the $300 million contract, and their expectations for Giancarlo right now are through the roof, which you know, they probably should be. But I think tempering that and understanding – but it's a long season. This guy's a proven stud. It's going to come back around. He's a guy that gets a little bit streaky just because he, he goes for the homer. And he doesn't – his swing is, is pretty one-slot grooved. And, and if it doesn't show up there, um, he, he's going to swing and miss a lot more than you know, a guy like Judge, who does strike out. But um, there's a little more flexibility in, in some of the other guys' swings. And his is, is pretty one slot, like I said, one slot groove. Yep. And, and there's going to be mistakes that show up that he's going to pound, but there's going to be streaks where he's going to do this. Hey, Matt, another story that's been gaining a lot of momentum the last few hours. Last night, uh, Jacob Junis was pitching a no hitter for the Royals. Again, the Royals wound up winning. They ran away and won at 10 nothing. And Ned Yost thought that Junis was kind of laboring, getting the fifth and sixth innings. And he turned to one of the coaches and says, I'm going to pull him if he keeps getting in trouble. And they were like, Skip, he's pitching a no-hitter, and he took the no-hitter into the seventh inning before giving up a hit. Yo said, I had no idea he was pitching a no-hitter. Is that really true? The people, is there in the dugout, you don't know when a guy is pitching a no-hitter? I guess I could see if a, if a manager is trying to watch a lot of different things, if he's, if he's paying attention to a lot of different things. I know as a player, I, I can't imagine that happening. Like for me, I, especially playing defense, you know that there hadn't been anything going on, and you're constantly checking the scoreboard and, and checking the outs, and you're always looking at the scoreboard. I guess if a manager is, is worried about a lot of different things and hasn't looked at the scoreboard recently or maybe just is, is, is maybe sidetracked a little bit with what's going on in, in another area of the game, I, I guess I could see that. Um, I, I, I'd be surprised if that happened very often. Right. Um, I don't know Ned Yost very well, but I, I could 
I could see that happening <clears throat> occasionally, but not very often. I, I, I would say that, that that could very rarely happen with a manager. But like I said, if, if he had other things on his mind last night and, and just, you know, wasn't, wasn't for some reason looking at the scoreboard much or, or uh, you know, maybe – I don't know. I could see that. I don't. I don't see any reason for him not to be truthful about that. All right. Uh, I, I really want to have you on to talk about Otani. Uh, Shohei Otani, three home runs, three straight games, and of course, then he has a perfect game going in the seventh, going back uh, to, to to Sunday. And you and I discussed this kind of off air in the difficulty in being good at either when you're trying to do both. He, he really struggled hitting in spring training, and obviously you know, of late on a hot streak and his pitching was okay, but he seems to be getting more comfortable. Although people don't have a true book on him yet. Um, as, as a, as a hitter, what do you see in his swing? Is this, is what he's done replicable or is there a hole there? You've told me about guys that have had holes in the past that eventually get exposed. What's your assessment of Shohei Otani in terms of the long term? You know, I was, I was interested to watch him face Kluber and, and knowing that Kluber can can do some things with the ball that most pitchers can't, and he can manipulate the you know sort of the inside corner to a left hand hitter where he can cut it in off the plate in and then and then sink it back where he throws it at their front hip and runs it back to the strike zone. So I was interested to see. And of course, he took him deep and uh, had a good game, and and so I, I've been impressed. I, I was a little skeptical. I didn't get to see him much of spring training of, of hitting. I've just seen some highlights of, of, of you know the Japanese hitting and sometimes those ballparks are a little deceptive you can't tell if they're how big they are um, but you know the opposite field and the center field homers um, and being able to hit the ball to, to, to all parts of the field with power I've, I've been impressed with so um, I, I, the thing that I worry about is with pitching and hitting is that it takes so much work in the cage and you know for a pitcher so many throws and so many bullpens and um, I, I just get a little concerned that, that, you know, the low back and some of the things, the toll that it's going to take on, on doing both. I know that he's done both, um, and so he has his routine. But I just I think it's smart what they're doing where they're just, you know, kind of pitching him on a, on a once-a-week basis. And, and I think they're just going to have to be real careful with the amount of work he does in the cages and in the bullpen and just the taxing uh, that's going to – the toll that it's going to take on his low back and his, and his body – I think will start to build up over a long season. And um, I think they'll be very smart to, to keep an eye on that and, and watch for low back signs is, is the only thing that really concerns me. Matt Holiday, thanks so much for stopping by with us. And hey, congratulations on your longtime team, the St. Louis Cardinals being the only team to give my Mets a loss this season. That was, that was, a, <laughs> that was a big achievement. I tip my cap to you, my friend. Uh, all right, sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. There goes Matt Holiday. Great stuff from him right there. Otani stuff on Stanton. Look, it's all mechanical. It's I'm like, oh my god, is this? And now I'm going to look for his stance. Is it more closed off than it was last year? Incredible stuff. Adam. No, he's he's. Un, I mean, him. You know, his brother was a hitting coach at Vanderbilt. Now the head coach at Oklahoma State. And to listen to them hitting, talking about hitting, you're like, wait, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and try and absorb size so rotational and closed off. But now I now I understand, and I completely understand on how you know you what works for you. You end up doing a little bit too much of, and that gets you even more screwed up, which is what's happened with John Carlos Stanton. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan Patrick here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, we'll relive the best of our interview with Patrick Reed, Masters champion. Got to hear it's next on Fox Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. 
in for Dan. My show nights here on Fox 811 Pacific. Doug, 12 to 3 every day. 2018 Mercedes AMG E63 S sedan. Unrivaled luxury meets unbridled power. Test drive one today. Mercedes AMG driving performance. And speaking of driving performance, we had Patrick Reed on the show earlier in case you missed it. But we go through some of his best of. The best of the Patrick Reed interview. Got to talk to him. Fun guy. Last night was at the Knicks game wearing the green jacket during the game, taking pictures with Chris Rock, many people. And uh, one of the things we talked about, Doug was very concerned that he would spill something on the jacket, eat it, whether it's mustard or something else. And one thing that Patrick Reed told us was that, yeah, food, not doing it. I didn't. I was starving. Here, here's the problem. So I walk in and you know, Chris Rock is there. And he's like, hey, you know. And he's talking to me. He goes, oh, he goes, you can't have any cheese on your nachos. You can't have any mustard. You can't get that on that jacket. And I'm like, oh, no. I was like, yeah, we're definitely not eating anything around this thing right now. That was my biggest fear is he's going to eat something oh, and he's going to so be a, he's going to be an Internet meme for the rest of his life. Exactly. And that's why I've avoided food when I've been around the jacket so far. There it is, the diet, Doug. Yes. Wear the green jacket, don't yes. eat. Yes, you've heard of the South Beach diet? Yeah. This is the Augusta diet. <laughs> Actually, the South Beach diet. South Beach diet's great. Yes, the idea is just eat protein. Yeah, well, it's it's not not so much just, you know, eat pepperoni and cheese, but it's a little bit, you know, eat the vegetables too. Right. Yeah. That The, the vegetables and the fruits become your, your, your carbohydrates. <laughs> I, I thought, like, just the idea that all of a sudden Chris Rock's giving you advice is yeah. kind of a surreal, uh, uh, otherworldly moment. Now, I've never had somebody during an interview tell me I asked a stupid question, but I was eminently okay with Patrick Reed doing it because, of course, I had to ask him, look, you're wearing the jacket last night at the Knicks game, been wearing it. Are you actually wearing the jacket now? Of course. <laughs> how, 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 now, don't, now, don't take this the wrong way, but I think that was probably the dumbest question you asked. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I might even shower in this thing. I think I maybe have had it off for 10 minutes since I, once since I got it. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I asked, okay, but I had to ask if he's wearing the jacket. Well, I mean, he did have it on. He was he was on the, the, the CBS this morning. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, I, I wasn't surprised by it. But I thought you handled it well. But I look, I thought your best question was over the games, over the what Rory said, and he's like, hey, look, man, it was some gamesmanship mm-hmm. and kind of how he handled it. I thought that was a, a great question, and he gave us an incredible answer in terms of his prep on Saturday night and into Sunday morning. I was torn between that and asking, have you gotten romantic in the green jacket? I mean, it was either either one of those two. Those are one of the two questions. Yeah, I think you I think you <laughs> erred on the side of a dumber but more appropriate question. Uh, and then Doug asked him, hey, what's going through your mind? You're watching the leaderboard. You're a guy that does this, and you see Jordan Spieth making this huge charge on Sunday. And Patrick Reed said, oh, I had some definite thoughts about that. Yeah, the base thing was he was running. I, I knew he was running out of holes, and I was telling him to slow down. You know, chill out. <laughs> you know, stop it. And, um, you know, I'm glad he didn't have nine more because then, you know, then I'd have to go home and make a ton of birdies come down the stretch. So there it was. Slow down. Dude, chill out. Stop going low. Stop with these birdies. Come on, I'm trying to win the Masters. Enough already. Uh, which which I, I love. And, look, we had been told that he was a scoreboard watcher and admitting that he's a scoreboard watcher, admitting that he was peaking up. That it wasn't just, well, I heard the roar of the crowd and I assumed something. He said, look, I saw the numbers. I saw he was on 16 and I was on 13. And maybe more impressive to me was 
He knew how many holes he had to play, but he wasn't thinking, okay, if I can just par out. He was like, look, I still got holes. I'm going to try and score on those holes. That takes some um, lower intestinal fortitude. <laughs> lower intestinal Way fortitude. to go, Gorilla Monsoon. Doug Isn't it interesting? You, you hear a guy, you have a conversation with a guy, and it starts out light, and he's done a bunch of these things. But any perception you might have over, hey, man, it's a tough guy to like, you have a 10-minute conversation with him. You listen to it, you can download the interview, and you're like, you know what? Kind of liked him iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, FoxSportsRadio.com, the best of Patrick Reed. For Doug, I'm Jason. This is Fox. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.